The third dimension is hard to master. Hey, boomers! Welcome to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your fortnightly guide to the Sega Sentinel. World. I was doing well then. You were doing so well. I was oh, thinking the, that. Oh, the Sega Sentinel world, the Sega Sentinel world of Sonic Ooh. the Comic. <laughs> yeah, we've got free more Sonic stickers. It says at the top, but I haven't got the stickers because I took them off and used them. Sonic and Knuckles head to dread against Robotnik on one of the, to my mind, most iconic covers they ever did do. What do you think, Oh, yeah, I was going to say it if you didn't. I mean, this, I'm sure there was a poster of this. They would reuse this image. It's just Sonic and Knuckles in profile. Duke's up, ready to go. Face to face. Even though they're not fighting. They're fighting Robotnik in this one. This should have been the cover like a couple of issues ago. Hang on a minute. Wait a minute. Are the covers lining up? with a couple of issues ago. If we hadn't had to have that flipping Cam and Burke cover, we'd have... I'm starting to think these covers were supposed to come earlier, because this is the perfect cover for, like, the last couple of issues. Well, yeah, but... He's red. He is red. So they wouldn't have done it then. This was obviously done later. Huh. This would have been the one for the second part Mm. of Enter Knuckles, you know, not the first because they didn't actually fight, but it it obviously wasn't anyway, because he's red. And they're getting into the dread thing. No, he only turned red in the fourth part of the story overall, you know, the end of the last issue. Yeah, that's right, because he was kind of maroony coloured in the one where they fought for a second issue. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, this is issue number 37, uh, released on October the 15th, 1994. Cover dated October 28th. Mm-hmm. £1.15 every fortnight. There aren't any more cover lines. That's, yeah, That's this it. is, it's an unusually naked cover. Three more Sonic stickers. That's because they would be covered up by the quite large mm. sets of Sonic stickers. Unfortunately, can't remember which ones they are. No, well, we saw one of them in the next issue page of last issue, which was the one where Sonic was doing the rev up pose and it said, let's rumble underneath it. That's right, yes. Yeah, I should leave out the previous issue when we record these so I can look at the sticker for the next one, but oh well. So anyway, more stickers, very satisfied with them. They were good. Flip it over, we've got yes. an advert on the back cover. I'm so happy about this. Here's a little story. Oh, Dave's interesting stories. Here's a little story, kids. So, do you remember the cartoon, The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog? It's what, back in the day, I used to refer to as Series 1 of Hmm. Sonic, because of the implication in the poster magazine that they were to be called Series 1 and Series 2. It was uh, the standard knockabout adventures ones with Scratch and Grounder and Long John Baldry, Robotnik and all of that. But then, weirdly, suddenly and unprecedentedly, you got to the... What I thought was the end of the series. It turns out it was a few episodes left. But you basically get to the end of the series and they start doing something they'd never done before. They introduce the Chaos Emeralds. Now, they get them wrong. Of course. I mean, you can't expect anything more from the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. It did not get things right. No. So instead of six or seven colourful jewels that are all the same shape, they're four green ones that are notably all a different shape, and that's how you kind of identify them. And they were to be collected. Now, I didn't mind that because that was very reminiscent of uh, BBC School's Look and Read's classic Through the Dragon's Eye, in which the kids were looking for different shaped jewels to fit together into a master thing that was going to save the world. So that was all right. I didn't mind that. Never watched that. I would have compared it to Teabag. Very similar to Teabag. But again, in Teabag, they're all the same thing, aren't Mm, they? Well, it depends what they were. Sometimes they were after letters. Or numbers for a clock, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Sonic the Comedy Podcast. Yeah, by the way, like, sorry to all the international <laughs> and uh, viewers of a certain age. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, so at the end of the series, this episode came on in which the Chaos Emeralds are introduced and they're not all collected by the end of the episode. Just yeah. one of them is. And there's time travel stuff and that's how you know it's going to be a good one when time travel comes in. You know, you're in a big Sonic story then. And sure enough, the next episode, it's not part two, I don't think. I think it's another story. They like, each have their own titles. Yeah, but they're still in this ongoing... i tell you what it was like. Eye of Sarnoff. Turtles series two. Yes. Yeah. But again, they're the same as well. But anyway, these well, jewel they collections. Were a bit, well, that was an especially weird little story where they get three and then suddenly one's mm. not there anymore and then they have to find another one again. That one <laughs> was a mess. But then, you know, that describes the old Turtles cartoon pretty well. Bit of a mess. It, you know, it's, I've never really thought about it before. But yes, The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog handled the multiple episode jewel collectathon better than Turtles did. That <laughs> genuinely comes as a surprise. This video then came i was just at the time thinking huh cool this kind of makes up a four episode i think is it for yeah, run that if you happen to sort of tape them back to back and if you happen to cut out the credits what you'd have would be a bit like this adventures of sonic the hedgehog movie and sure enough out comes this video advertised on the back cover here the adventures of sonic the hedgehog the quest for the chaos emeralds a supersonic one and a half hour special feature it's the only one that i actually went and bought oh so they did edit it down into a film yeah very clumsily i mean literally they just cut the credits off so everything else because i mean it's not a film that's the thing it's four separate 22 minute adventures that just happen to have a linking theme it's not actually a movie no it isn't i've seen this done before with some things so like the cosgrove hall truckers Mm. terry pratchett's truckers That was, you know, either 10 or 15... No, it could have been five-minute episodes when it was showed on um, CITV, but the video presented it as a single film. One feature. You could tell it wasn't made to be one because at what was the end of each episode, the last shot would always be in this weird, slightly burnt orange-looking quality. You know, like when um, old BBC sitcoms switched to film to go outside, they would look visibly different. It was a bit like that, and I now I would make the, I, not having seen it, but my, mentally I'm making the comparison of when anime does that thing whenever it freeze frames, and then it changes from being a cell drawing to a painting. <laughs> and that's the cliffhanger moment. A bit like that, yeah. I think what caused it in Truckers was that that was the shot that they had had to put through some kind of processing machine so it could fade into the credits. Um. Do you know what I mean? It would, it would have actually, the film would have had to go through something. And that, but anyway, that's irrelevant, except to listeners of STCTP. <laughs> Nothing's irrelevant on this show. This, no <laughs> such concessions were made at, nothing was done. They would just be like, maybe they would cut off the iris out and it would just cut to the start of the next episode, but there would still be credits coming up on screen, all that sort of thing. It was, I think, that's my memory anyway. It was very... Very quickly, clumsily done. More of oh, a. I mean, the the title credits of the next of episode the next would episode, still, yeah, would still appear. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Or maybe not, but certainly the name would come up of the story and things like that. Anyway, this is an advert for that video. But what's more is that in a limited edition available from the seventh of November, we are being advertised here that it comes with a free Sonic hologram. Yeah. Now, did you get that version? It's not familiar, but I hmm. will have got it straight away my memory is that i got it as soon as i knew it existed so 
either it took me a little while to save up the 9.99 <laughs> and it says 9.99 in a little star and then there's an arrow pointing to the video like the only thing on the page <laughs> in case you weren't confused as to what was 9.99 <laughs> it makes me wonder if the hologram would have been the cover or if it would have been something that you got inside it and by hologram yeah. do they mean a shiny or do they mean yeah. a lenticular hologram yeah 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 i'm i'm not even able to picture anything so maybe i just didn't have it or maybe it just wasn't interesting enough to remember I certainly watched the video a number of times, including once with friends around. Twice if you count Abby as a friend. Um, I think of her as a foe. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I don't remember that, so maybe I didn't get it. Or maybe when I next find that video, when I next get to see my mum and dad and get some videos from home, I'll find it has a hologram in. We'll see. Who knows? Now, as Adventure of Sonic the Hedgehog was rubbish and so was this, did you notice the actually interesting thing about the cover of this video? Okay, is it that it's comic-themed? Well, yes and no. Okay. Because, yes, as you say, the cover of this video is Sonic tearing through a comic page. Yes. No, it's the fact that the six panels that are visible on there, there's one there that shows just the Tails, Adventures of Tails model sheet. Yeah, that's stock drawing. There's one that shows a bit of torn off grounder. Yeah. But the other four panels are all lifted from Sonic the Summer Special. (gasps) What? Yeah. I mean, not quite panels. The one of Robotnik on his Egomatic uh-huh, there, uh-huh. that's from the cover oh my of uh, the Summer Special. Down below that, that's that great-looking um, buzzer that Richard Elson drew on the cover. Yes, um, yes. Panel below that, not the <laughs> Tails part of it, but the Sonic part of it, where he's walking along with his hands outstretched. That's whenever they're going to leave Dr. Sun's base, and he says, what am I supposed to do? The kid likes it here. And then the panel in the top left is from the tail strip where he gets zapped by the one leftover badnik at the end. Wow. And I have now called up, just in case this was bespoke for this advert, I have called up pictures of the actual box itself that people had. And it is exactly as pictured here. (laughs) So this was not an STC version of the cover. Wow. They just had some weird piece of reference material to draw this cover. God, I never noticed it. Because the thing is, they have successfully picked pictures here, panels, that look generic. Yeah, nice generic looking ones. I tell you, it was the it was the walking along with the hands panel. I recognised it as like a Ferran Rodriguez drawing. And I was like, where do I know that from? You yeah, know? no, you're absolutely right. It's just that it's mostly covered up. You can only see a little bit because it's covered up by the big tear that mm. Sonic is walking through. And I thought the Robotnik one looked familiar, but I couldn't place it. But then I just went to the summer special and looked through yeah. it to match the other drawings. Because it's just Robotnik in his enigmatic shout. It's exactly what you would draw if you'd been asked to draw generic pictures of Sonic and yep. Robotnik and stuff. Have you checked if the top left one, which is just Badoom with a tail Yeah, yeah, that, that's from, from the tail strip where he gets nailed <gasps> by the one leftover Badnik. Fascinating. So he's Sonic is like ripping through ostensibly STC. Yeah, I suppose he is, isn't he? He's coming out the back cover of it. <laughs> that is a weird thing. Well, oh, well spotted. God, what we would be remiss if we'd not mentioned that on this podcast. Well found. Control zone. Let's see what's in the control zone. Um, what's in it? What have yeah, we got oh, in it? 
Megadroid says Sonic and Knuckles are everywhere. It says yes. Sonic and Knuckles is out now. Was it out now at this well, point? It says. October, it says, says it is. So, yeah. Wonder how long before it hits the charts. Then obviously these charts aren't up to date. We we know they're a little bit behind. I don't know. Right. They've really thought about it, haven't we? I mean, I wonder how far behind actual release dates or compilations the charts are well if this comes out of a saturday i bet the charts come out of a saturday as well so this is probably the previous week's charts Mm. yeah sonic and knuckles was always better listen before we get too far into it it does it feel as if someone's lent their elbow on the font size button here because right i was thinking the same thing too but i wasn't sure if it was just me to be honest no it's leapt up Mm. it's not just i don't think this is one position bigger and this is the not just the welcome screen but the bit down the middle that changes mm-hmm, every issue yeah, yeah. Uh, which in this case is well we'll talk about it in a moment but that's all bigger fonts as well as the issue goes on it, it continues like it's not just the opening it's not just the control zone i don't know I, I mean if it was just the control zone i would have just said they didn't have enough enough, con- exactly. enough content but yeah no i suppose well, well we'll see as we go i suppose we will but, so uh, anyway what else we got? Uh, oh, they call him the Red Dreaded One here, which is, you know, they're, they're yes. settling into that little... Because we've got the cover saying, Head to Dread. They're leaning into this idea of his Dreadlocks now. And of course, the Red Dreaded One is to contrast with the cool blue one. <laughs> which they say in the middle section. Oh, they do, yes. And both of which was part of your story summary last issue. Yeah, it was. You know I love the jargon. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, oh yeah, that's the sort of thing they say in STC. And then here we are, they say it, next issue. You yeah. were on one issue ahead of them, yes, <laughs> saying um, both of them. And it's in two issues time that Knuckles is going to be getting his own series. Oh, cool, really? No time wasted. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then the giveaway goes on with set two of Sonic the Stickers, five sets to collect, plus prizes for the most original use. So let us know. Oh, well. I don't remember any results being sent in. I'll have to wait and see. No, well, pr- Perhaps we should hold our own little competition if only we had a prize to give away. Boomers, if you, what's your most creative use of STC stickers? I'm not going to hold you to it and expect you to have actually done it and show us pictures. Just use your imagination. What would you do? It's something <laughs> to pick your nose with. <laughs> As they said about the belt clip back in the day. Uh, that's a joke for long-time listeners. Speaking um, of freebies, there's 50 copies of the official Sonic 3 Play Guide on offer. Yes, so please. That's, uh, as a compo later in the uh, in the issue, and uh, the Eternal Champions are back this issue as well. Didn't yeah. even mention that on the cover. <laughs> and then he just ends with, "Now go lie down and rest." There's so much going on. <laughs> Just go and have a sit down, for God's sake, and calm down. Why don't you, listeners? We'll carry on. We'll sit here. Well, I mean, we're sitting down. But we'll stay here doing this podcast. You just lie down. Just put a blanket over you. In fact, don't do that, because you're only going to fall asleep, and then you'll miss the whole podcast. Go and (laughs) have have a bracing walk. Have a big bracing walk. That's what I did. I was out walking last night, listening to episodes of STCTP, like I used to in the old days, in the era that I like to call the (laughs) pre-Covidian. Then we've got a section called Craft Work. Boing. Or, here's one I made earlier. Artists, uh, there is a program here in the United Kingdom for children called Blue Peter. It's been going on for a number of generations now. Started in the black and whitey days. And uh, it's it's very wholesome. And they make things. And that's their phrase, they say. Do they still make things? They must do, mustn't they? You couldn't have Blue Peter without making things out I mean, of yeah, things. Yeah, but do kids care about... Sticking loo rolls onto washing up liquid bottles to make rockets anymore? 
I'll one-up you with that question, Chris. Did kids ever care about that ever in I history? Sh- I did, yes. What? Get lost! Oh, man. Oh, yeah, no, I loved crafting when I was wee. What? You used to sit there with your washing up liquid bottle and making your Tracy Island? No, no, I would never wait for that. Never made a Tracy Island, but did make a turtle lair. Made oh, all sorts of things to be. I used to do a lot of paper crafting stuff when I was wee. Uh, did you? Huh. Okay. Well, there you go, then. Who are you to complain, then? No, no, but no, I'm asking if they still care now. Chris, they didn't care then, but you did, so I they'll did, be... therefore... There'll Look, be a know. Chris out there now. Who cares? I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, what are they teaching them to build? They're probably telling them how to cut up a loo roll holder to make a speaker for their iPhone or something. Yeah. That, With their yeah. compact discs and their pierced ears and these young people today. <laughs> yeah, they probably are. That'd be quite good. I mean, we had Bitzer as well, didn't we? There was quite a thing mm. of making stuff out of stuff. It was a thing back then, but I just wonder if it is now. I don't know. I don't watch children's television anymore. Heart you know? attack and smart and all that. No, that's the thing. No. I mean... Actually, no, it's not that I don't watch it, it's that it doesn't exist anymore. Well, not in the same form, and there are channels now. Yeah, it's out there, but, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kids, you don't know. You just don't know. You don't know. You actually have it so much better than we ever did, but still, you don't know. I don't know. I can't decide, because such a big part of the character of kids' TV was when it was on. And if it's just always on, it doesn't matter. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That feels like a whole dedicated spin-off podcast, to be honest, but I know what you're saying. Mm, yeah. We don't have that little special couple of hours in the afternoon that was ours. Yeah. They don't have that anymore, but they do have entire channels. Between school ending and dad getting home, that yeah. was when you watched your telly. Because then dad watched telly after that. Yeah, the news came <laughs> on and it lasted forever somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. An hour, as we knew it back then forever luckily for me mine came home at six so it was just straight into star trek so we just went off and did uh, something else between about five and six it was fine well <laughs> well no you see irish children's television went till six all the way till six mm-hmm. yeah an extra hour in there maybe i'm just misremembering but i'm allowing no, time no, no, for an uh, episode BBC of neighbors and itv would have stopped at uh, about then of course it, from my point of view like they basically stopped half an hour before they ended anyway because they always save one of them rubbish dramas like children's Ward <laughs> or biker grove for the yeah. last slot and i'm <laughs> Like, right, there's cartoons on Irish telly. Digimon's on, let's go. Uh, I actually ended up getting into your bikers and your grain hills. Like, because you last... didn't have any other options. No, not when I was a kid. I, I went away and created my own options, went in the garden or something, played on the spectrum. No, but it, in the last couple of years, you know what I was? I was watching Biker Grove when I'm like 17. That was when I got into it. A little Cadbury Scream Egg and an episode of Biker. That was my tradition. <laughs> I realize now, in hindsight, there, brief hindsight, I've, that I've just said Digimon's on. I was 18 I when Digimon came on. Exactly. So let's, yeah, let's wind that back a bit. Turtles okay. is on, or Batman. <laughs> On or or gargoyles. Gargoyles was a five p.m. show, as I recall. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So let's let's roll that back to sort of this time period. We're five years off of Digimon here. So that explains what here's what I made earlier means. We're really racing through this. I was I had an ambition to make this a quick one. <laughs> um, Never. But this is a section where it says. So it says. The STC mailbag has witnessed many a strange Sonic in its time. Not only do you boomers focus your eyes on the cool blue one, there it is, but you're also hot with your hands. Here's a taste of things to come in this issue for more pics of almost inanimate-like Sonics, Tails and Robotniks turned to another Fabaruni photo zone. Because what have they given us here, Chris? What are these two photographs of? Um, um, well, I'm not sure what the first one's a picture of. Is it knitted? I think so. I, I suppose if you're on scans, I've got a slightly higher res version here. And to me, I'm saying knitted or, yeah, I suppose cross-stitched. It, no, I'm saying knitted. I think yeah, it might I be a jumper. It's, knitted. it's a jumper, I think. Yeah, I think so. But it's stretched out nicely. And in fact, at least the bottom bit of it is seems to be wrapped in cellophane. 
Oh, they'll have sent it in. They'll have sent the whole thing in, and then in this, the office they've taken a photo of it, I bet. Maybe, or they could have sent a photo of it in. Well, yeah, but why would they wrap it in cellophane is my question. And only the bottom half. <laughs> could it be that they took a photo and had to fold the photo? Because there does seem to be a crease running down the whole centre of it. No, it doesn't look like... That's not how a photo would look if you creased it. But you're right, there is a crease running down the centre of it. There's something going on there, but I'm not sure what. Something's going on, something not quite right. And the other thing we have is a big three-dimensional Lego Tails. Like yes! brick-built Tails. Like a big robot Tails. He's all made of squares. Mm. I think they've got the uh, credits wrong, though. Oh, do you? Yeah, because uh, this Tails, or a version of it, appears <laughs> you're in the... So right. In the photo zone later on, and it's I think they have the name, the captions who created these, because they've credited the knitted jumper, or whatever it is, to Anthony Chapanelli of Banbury, and the Lego Tales to Michelle Loving of Stockton on Tees, and I think those are supposed to be the other way around. Yeah, Michelle Loving. There's a name. <laughs> Come on the podcast, Michelle. The Super Street Fighter 2, zooming in at number one. Beating FIFA! We've knocked fit. I'm going to include Street Fighter 2 as we because I don't really care about it, but oh, it's yeah. like at least it's game. At least it's video games, yes, right? Yes, it's sports versus everyone else. Exactly. Knocking fit. Character based video games. Knocking sports based. Yeah. Off the top spot. I'm happy about that. Jungle Book, Spinball, PGA, European Tour, Flipping Golf. How could that <laughs> possibly be this interesting? Who's buying that? I don't oh my know. God. Golf! Like, how, why is that interesting? That you were, oh, I want a thrill ride golf game on my Mega Drive. Well, okay. I guess not everybody wanted thrill rides from their video games. Well, they the shouldn't weirdos. be buying a Mega Drive then. It's all about thrill rides. I know, it was the cool thing. That was the one that you bought to be excited about. Yeah, exactly. They should go out and play golf. That's what they should do. And then original Sonic re-entering yeah. at six. Pete Sampras at seven. That, see, I can understand a tennis game. That, fair enough. Sonic 3 at 8, Sonic 2 at 9, and Mortal Kombat at 10. Fair enough. Cool to see all three Sonics in the charts at once. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Just before we move on, I just want to let the readers know who haven't listened to the Patreon-exclusive thing that I've got a second bag of pastels. <laughs> Here they are right now, and I'm probably going to eat some. Stop it, you'll make me want them. Jahan found the red and black or red and purple only ones. And, oh, I'm a pastel fan again. Forget what I said at the beginning a couple of episodes ago. Back into pastels because I don't have to put up with those flavours I don't like now. You're all about pastels now. There's a pastel yeah. podcast. Sonic the comic, the pastel. That's what STCTP stands for. <laughs> you got my pastel. Here they are right now. You got my pastel. Here they are right now. Robotnik's Revenge, Part 1, written by Nigel Kitching, with art by Richard Elson, and letters by Ellie DeVille, the Dream Team. Now aware of its location, Dr. Robotnik leads an all-out assault on the Freedom Fighters' once-secret headquarters. As our heroes rush to evacuate, Sonic and Johnny meet Robotnik and his forces head-on to buy Porker Lewis the time to transfer the Kintabor computer back onto the Mobius ring it came from. Meanwhile, back on the floating island, Knuckles infiltrates the launch space zone, intending to wipe out the Death Egg before its reconstruction is finished. <laughs> oh, Dave. Dave, Dave, Dave. Oh. I sat down 
to read this after a very long day. My yeah. head was fried with the thing I'd been working on all day, and I was like, right, mm-hmm. to do this podcast, to sit down and read this. Dave, <laughs> as they say, this story cleared my skin and watered my crops and fed my <laughs> livestock. This is brilliant. Oh, what God. a cracking seven pages this is. Oh, it's top STC stuff, this. There's something on every page to get you excited. I can't even believe what I'm looking at as I turn the pages. I mean, it starts in a non-kitchen-y sort of way, too, because, yeah. boom, we're right in with the first page getting things going. We're in medias res, essentially. They're already in the process of evacuating the base in the first panel. Yeah, and they don't explain why for a couple of panels, mm. like, till the end of the page, essentially. They're just they're packing up. They're like, how are you doing over there? Oh, I'm doing this. Porker's got the ring that, if you remember in Sonic's world, Kinterbor's brain got randomly stored on a ring. See Sonic's world, STC number 26. Yeah, thank you, Chris. And Megadroid. Porker's got that ring in the beam of light that does the hologram head of Kinterbor, out of which his moustache always pokes. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Yeah. He's downloading Kinterbor onto that. And Kinterbor's loving it, even as, in a moment, their base is about to get attacked. And during it, Kinterbor's just there grinning away, going like, yep. State of the art, that's me. Dum 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 dum. Having a nice time. And then they bring up a big screen. And on that big screen, we can see a wonderful teaser for what's about to come on the next few pages. And you believe you me, it's about to come on the next few pages. It's Robotnik in what I know as the squeeze tag machine. Yes, I think he I calls believe... it that next issue. Yeah, I think in the game they call it Big Arm. I don't know if that's fans will come up with that or who's yeah, rubbish. For anyone who hasn't played through Sonic 3, the boss we're talking about, it's like a big egg-o-matic. A big egg. But completely enclosed with spikes on the top, so you can't even jump and bash it. And coming out the sides, these two massive arms. Big arms. With big hands that can grab Sonic and lift him up and crush him and squash him and punch him. (laughs) It's the boss of Sonic 3. Yeah, that's how you know we're now at the end of the Sonic 3 adaptation. You know, Even though it's taken that swerve in the middle to be about yeah. emeralds and Knuckles finding out and stuff that doesn't happen in the games till Sonic and Knuckles, now we've got the boss of Sonic 3 bearing down on our heroes with an army of badniks as well behind him while yeah. Knuckles is off in the launch base zone, the last level of Sonic yes. 3. You know, we're at the end of the Sonic 3 adaptation. Do you know, I had completely forgotten that because I think the reason is that when I was reading this, I hadn't yet got Sonic 3 or played it through myself. So perhaps I haven't gone back and read it since when I knew exactly what the launch base zone was. Because when I turned the page and saw Knuckles in what was obviously the launch base zone, and then bottom of the page, there's the death egg mm-hmm. set up in the launch base zone, just like in the game. It came as a surprise to me. Three footnotes in two pages. <laughs> Talk about like breaking the dramatic flow. Yeah, but we... Robotnik has found out where our secret underground base is! Robotnik came by this information when Knuckles rescued him in STC-34. Megadroid. And he's coming this way! Now, that's interesting, because that is ostensibly when we are told how Robotnik found their base. Like, Hmm. you can put it together, but I don't remember them ever going like, Ah ha ha, now I know the location of the base! Yeah, he was not focused on that. No. He was off to get the power of the Chaos Emeralds. Yeah, mm, exactly. So what's happened here is they took Robotnik to their base, locked him up, and I suppose it could just be that he remembered where they took him. I always thought that it was that Knuckles knows the way now or something. Mm, but one of the but two. no, he's not friends with Knuckles anymore, is he? Yeah, but I mean, you know, they had to burrow out. So I mean, yeah. he knows where he was when he came out. He can just follow the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> or, you know, they didn't blindfold him when they took him in. But he does specifically say that he came by it when Knuckles rescued him. Yeah. So, but this is yeah. big. This is era ending stuff, you know. I know. I've okay. Don't tell me, but I've always thought of STC as like you know Sonic and the gang in their underground hideout in the Emerald Hill Zone with the Kinterborg computer. And genuinely, I don't know where they're going to go after it's been infiltrated. Maybe there's a second base that's just exactly the same, and I never noticed the difference. Like. I'll find out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but page two then, we just cut away from that. So like, yep. we leave them trying to evacuate and knowing that they haven't got time, really. We cut to Knuckles, who's gone to the launch base zone. Um, there's a trooper badnik there. <laughs> a funny little squat one. Yeah, that's not right. Much taller than I, I Knuckles. don't know. Elson was drawing them like that back at the very start of all of this. Yeah. Genuinely, I'm not sure if they have changed shape or not. Or if we just keep getting dramatic camera angles or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Knuckles looks kind of tall next to one of these. Yeah, his head looks huge. There's something we've not mentioned the whole time that Knuckles has been in the comic that we should have been mentioning. I bet it's the same thing I'm just thinking of earlier today that I realised we hadn't mentioned yet. Oh yeah, what was yours? Well, no, you tell me yours because I'm pretty sure we're talking the same thing. <laughs> it's the colour. It's the colour, yep, exactly, <laughs> yeah. The same way Sonic has yeah. a pink belly, Knuckles yeah. is supposed to have a white crescent moon as patch of fur on his sort of chest, on his pecs working off of the old piece of promotional art that colored knuckles bright pink and everything stc have mistakenly represented it as a metallic collar which he will wear for the entirety of the comics run they'll never go back on that yep 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 to be honest i think i had to have the internet before i ever learned that wasn't supposed to be a collar yeah it's very rare that you saw knuckles you can't really see it on the sprite no it's not on the sprite really and it's i mean i'm sure it's on the sprite but you would never know the difference So, yeah. Oh, my God. Hang on a moment. Pulling up the sprite. I was looking for the original design just to see what it was they were looking at. Just, God, look at this again. You've seen it before, but just how good flipping Tyson Hess is. He's drawn some knuckleses here, and they're just incredible. Aren't they, <laughs> just, though? Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah, but also I see knuckles making big, wild facial expressions like that, and then I know that's not my knuckles. I agree there. But and I don't just mean such that in a harsh drawings. way. But I mean, they're great drawings. But yeah. Knuckles, who gets big, sharp tooth mad yelling or makes big, dumb expressions, or, you know, it's not my It's knuckles. a bit Sonic anime, isn't it? You can see him doing the thing with millions of arms. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But even look at the way he's drawn it, where the point of it always comes up and connects to where his neck would be if Sonic characters had necks. Mm. It looks like a collar. It's an odd piece of design. They, uh, it is. I wonder why they put that on him. There'll be some precedent for it. It'll be a Japanese thing. Someone will already have had a crescent moon on them, you know? I'm sure somebody knows the answer, because all too often we say things like that, and then someone writes in with like a detailed five-paragraph explanation. Dave and Chris let it never be said that the Archists never did nothing for you. I reached out to Archie Comics fan fiction author EXE1, and he tells me that Sega has said that there was a shoe manufacturing brand deal that fell through at the last minute regarding Knuckles' design. They have not elaborated on which brand, but it is speculated that it was Nike, and that the Crescent was originally a swoosh. Okay, Knuckles on this page, we've settled down on a... A sort of halfway house colour that I think I can get behind, Chris. Uh, he's red, but it's okay. But he's not, he's not like Sonic Sneakers red. He's not even like Johnny's jacket on the next page red. He's a sort of magenta. Well, he's well. the colour that comes up as the first result for magenta if you Google magenta. But of course, a colour like magenta, a whole cluster of other different random shades of purple come up as well. I was going to say, he looks redder than what I would think of as magenta. He's the same red as his own shoes now. Well, yeah, but they're also coloured a little bit more purpley. Yeah. I wouldn't call it purple. I, I wouldn't call it pink. 
but I wouldn't call it red. That's the thing. Not not like. No, I'd call it red. He's red. <laughs> this is where we must accept that he is red. No, <laughs> I agree that he's red. Hashtag Knuckles is red. No, <laughs> but he's not. He's not Archie red. Anyway, he's a red that I find myself comfortable with, perhaps because it's been ingrained in me from STC. Mm. I like it. I'll be keeping an eye. I wonder how much of it could be these little pinkish white highlights yes along his eyebrows and things just offsetting it just enough to be tolerant or could it be this packet of red pastels that i've got just next to me showing me what red looks like in delicious red <laughs> <laughs> but anyway this knuckles settled on a color i don't mind punches the troop of adnik up because the bandit's like stop no one may enter dr robotnik's launch base and knuckles goes haven't you heard i already threw robotnik out punch and we get a little CSTC 36 and a little bit of backstory. Knuckles explaining that he had him fooled and blah, blah, blah. And then he's going to wipe every trace of him from the floating island, starting with that. And we get a big dramatic shot of Knuckles looking up at the Death Egg in its crazy building site stuff from the launch base zone at the end of Sonic 3. The first depiction of the real death egg yeah angled in such a way though as to keep details hidden you know we just see the uh the two circular death star twin laser thing we don't see that it's actually got robotnik's face up its own gusset yes (laughs) the death egg it's the death okay the death egg is so exciting because it's like emblematic of a, the best era of STC, yep. and B, the best era of Sonic games. Yeah. All at the same time. It was. It is oh. the biggest threat that, in both yeah. comic and game, you know, that Robotnik ever got working, you know, that was ever manifested, you know. Shy of Robotnik yeah. attaining the powers of the Emeralds itself, it was... So it was... that's exactly the thing. Here's what the difference is, and this goes for the games as well. I've never been as satisfied with anything that Robotnik, like brings to the table as a bad threat post Sonic 3 and Knuckles. And I think the reason is, part of it is because he's often sidelined as the bad guy, but part of it is because what the Death Egg is, is, yes, it's just basically copied from Star Wars, but it is the ultimate end point of what Robotnik's skill set is. Robotnik is a man who builds machinery. Particularly, he builds robot things with little faces and round vehicles for himself and the death egg is imagine one of those the size of well let's do the star wars thing and say a moon that's no moon it's that it's this giant thing that he with his skills and his resources definitely could and would build if given the chance and everything after it has been a bit supernatural and weirdy it's been like oh i found out about an ancient god Oh, I found out about a team of baddies. Or like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I found I captured this creature that lives throughout time. Oh, I'm yeah. going to get the power of these aliens with their colors. <laughs> yeah, it's never as good. It's never oh, him. Whatever that princess thing was, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's never him after this point. It's always... Just making robots and stuff. Yeah, yeah he, ju- he always enlists the power of something that could have done fine without him, whereas this is him. So yeah, Death Egg. Thumbs up to the Death Egg. Then we cut back to the base where it's all rumbling and shaking and he's obviously breaking in and like Sonic's going, time's running out and Porker's going, ah, I'm trying to download all yeah. the data onto this ring but it takes me ages and Kinterball's like, <laughs> yep, state of the art, that's me. <laughs> Tails and Amy are gone already so it's just Sonic and Johnny and Johnny's like, that's okay with me. <laughs> and he extends his staff and he's going to kick some ass with yeah, it. Yeah, there it goes. Oh, this is, oh yeah. Have we seen him extend the staff before? 
Ooh, I don't, I don't know. No, we have. I don't know if we have. Yeah, because in the first panel of this page, it just looks like a big thick cylinder, but it turns yeah, yeah. out that that's what happens when the two ends are pushed together. I think we've seen the cylinder before. Yeah, but I don't know that we've actually seen him go. <laughs> no, and get it going. And in fact, looking back on page one, he's got it. It looks like a little pair of barbells. What are the little barbells for one hand? Those little ones look kind of a like that. dumbbell. Little dumbbell, that's the word, yeah. So then Robotnik comes smashing in. And what a line yes. when he comes in. Oh, oh see, this is this is the climax of an action movie. This is with all oh, the one-liners yeah. and everything. They, they follow the noise of the boom, boom, boom on the walls. They get the point. Robotnik comes smashing in. It's all over, you little creeps. The Doctor is in. Yes, yes, he is. Yes, yes. Woo! You first, rabbit! And he grabs Johnny in his oh. big robot hand and sort of spins it and it comes in and he's like, pew! And he's like, whoosh! And he's like, bam! <laughs> and imagine the coolest this could be drawn. Like, the whole top half of the page is just Robotnik punching his way through a stone wall with a massive robot hand. He's gripping his two joysticks. He's yanking them around his, you know, his mouth's all out there. Going, and of course, oh, and during this, Sonic's getting a little joke in. They're following the booms and Johnny goes, it has to be somewhere around here because I always think he's got quite a do-gooders voice. You know, like the um, the oldest boy in the BBC Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. I imagine <laughs> yeah, something yeah, yeah. like him. It has to be somewhere around here that Robotnik's trying to get in. And then he, Robotnik smashes through the wall and Sonic says... Sort of here, Lightfoot. I like when he calls him Lightfoot. Yes! <laughs> There's something quippy about it. There's something teamy about it, isn't it? It's like... I think I've said it before that I like it when he calls Porker Lewis. Yeah, yeah. it's a little bit sort of, you know, number one sort of thing. They're being... A bit, yeah. But not as professional as that, but more professional than if they were just friends. They're an outfit. They're working towards something. Yeah. And then Robotnik shouting about how he really should be supervising the repair of my death egg. I like the little bit of continuity, the repair. Mm. It's like they're, they're reminding us that, yes, this thing existed before. Yeah, we didn't really tell you what it was. But from now on, we're going to be really crystal clear what's going on with it. It crashed. It's being repaired. Soon it's going to be a thing. And then they have a fight and he bounces off him and it doesn't hurt him. And then he hits him and it's like, boom. And then he comes in and it's like, bam. Oh my god, there's this there's this big twirly panel. So there's one panel where yeah. Sonic spangs against the thing and it like its both arms fling open. It's like a big sort of chest being hit into and its arms are going back. But then in the next one, the whole thing is whirled round and a big metal fist foreshortening its way right out of the panel. Boof! It actually goes over the top of the panel a little bit as it punches Sonic out of the sky. He's got his skin-coloured eyelids scrunched up close. He's upside down. He's flipping around. And in the background, at the other end of the machine, because of the whoosh of the speed of the whole thing spinning around and the fist going in front of it and everything... Robotnik in his little cockpit is kind of obscured by whooshy lines, so he's more of a a sort of a hazy silhouette with white yeah. eyes and teeth. Yeah, but they got the stuff. eyes and the mouth in there, yes. like a creepy ghost. And then the spikes poking out. And Sonic ricochets all around him. Basically, he's like Johnny says, you can't beat him in that thing, he's too strong. And Sonic's like, I'm going to pretend I never heard you say that. But then instead <laughs> he collapses that part of the base in on him instead. Rather than, you know, yes. try and beat him to defeat, he just buries him under boulders to buy them time to get out of there. Yeah, there's a moment where Robotnik thinks he's missed and yeah. he just went past him and hit the ceiling, but no, he was causing a cave-in. What are you up to? And look, I just... Mm, 
Mm-mm-mm. Richard Elson's art has attained its ultimate form, hasn't it? Oh my god. We commented on it last issue, but it's still true. They're nice and soft and round, the characters yeah. now. Look at his round little face! I know, and yet when he brings in something like this squeeze tag oh, machine, yeah. even though it's still soft and round, essentially, it has this great amount of like mechanical threat and just awesomeness. And this is... I'm not going to say what, because listeners stick with us, but this is not going to be the last time that Richard Elson is going to take something from Sonic 3 and Knuckles and make it look so much cooler than it did even in that case. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, it's so good. Every shot, they're all, you know, Robotnik's always whooshing round and looking over his shoulder and doing something cool. Knuckles is always looking cool and striking a kind of pose with his fists and everyone's just the best they could be. Ooh, oh, oh, that's great. But they've got Robotnik buried anyway, so they head back to see how Porker's doing, and he's managed to get the Kintobor program back on the ring, but all the exits are sealed and they're trapped! And that's where we leave our heroes for this moment. We get our sort of like final page where Robotnik digs his way out of the of the rubble, still in the machine. I love it. He's got his big hands yeah, and he's just, just grabbing fistfuls of rock and, rock and throwing r- them aside, like, yeah. ripping them out of the earth and chucking them. Oh, it's well good. But he takes a moment while he's doing that to check in with the launch base. We get another back of the head. Back view, of the right? head, yeah, Robotnik. This yeah. one looks a little better. I mean, I still don't like it. (laughs) He's tucked the moustache in, so it definitely comes out of the lip. The lip and the nose, rather. Yeah, I mean, I definitely still don't like it. (laughs) Well, it makes him look all the more like. Even though he kind of technically always does, and we've remarked on this before, but when you see a different angle of his head than it was essentially meant to be seen Mm, at, you realise how much his head looks like the one of the beefed-up Joe Sushi walrus from that test version of Saturday yeah, well, we saw in the poster yeah. it's got that sort of aspect to it but don't make me think to. of that either no <laughs> don't like it <laughs> but he checks in with the launch base and Grimer reports that Knuckles has been surprised by a badnik patrol and is dead dead <gasps> Knuckles yes. is dead oh gosh it was it was rather messy, as a matter of fact. What voice did we come up with? For this? We never that... really did settle on one. Like we both talked about how we imagined he was Peter. It was yeah. rather messy, as a matter of fact. Now that happens to work really well with that line. Yeah, <laughs> but but I don't think it works well with Grimer as a whole. And Robotnik just goes, "I'm oh, dead, eh?" Like he's just yeah, like, oh, "Okay, well, do rightly. Good news, great." <laughs> So he goes off to finish his job, but then, final pal, two panels later, don't worry, we weren't allowed to think Knuckles was dead for long, we pull out, and it turns out Knuckles got all the way into the launch base, he tied up Grimer, and he made him deliver a fake message, so now Robotnik doesn't know Knuckles is still alive. Yeah, Grimer's going, was that alright? And he's like, yes, Grimer, that was alright. And he's facing the camera, fists up! Next, the return of Knuckles! I mean, here he is already. He's been in this issue, but let's have him return. I'm happy with that. (laughs) Flipping hell, this is good. Ooh, this is good, though. Oh, my goodness. I was laughing in excitement. I was, (laughs) ooh, when I was reading it. Oh, this is so good. Oh, this, I mean, this, do you know, and I I realized it um, after reading it as well. It's really the first fight between Robotnik and Sonic that Kitching and Elson have ever done. God, yes! We realized that Girl Trouble was like their first meeting face-to-face since the time skip. And then, you know, we had the Sonic Terminator and you didn't see Robotnik in it. They met face-to-face again when they captured him, but it's the first time that we've had Robotnik get in one of his machines and fight Sonic in the 
kitching Elson era of Sonic the comic. And what better time to have it be at such an incredible climactic yes! storytelling point than this to whip out the final boss as a, oh. a genuine final boss for an era of the comic, like a phase oh, of the story that this comic is telling. Oh, you're absolutely right. It never really occurred to me before, but that time skip and Robotnik taking over Mobius is... It's almost been beneath him. Like, before that, it was mm. hijinks. Sonic versus Robotnik. He would bash his little Legomatics yeah, and stuff. basically almost every issue. Yeah. But now, it never happens unless it's important. Because he's too high up. He's got his trooper badniks yeah, everywhere. rules the planet now. He can send legions. It's like he says, he should be on the launch base, but he couldn't resist coming in and dirty <laughs> in his hands this one time. <laughs> his Ooh. big hands. He had to make special his hands just to dirty hands. them, but he still couldn't yeah. resist. <laughs> Oh, it's so good, and I'm looking forward to part two. Mm. You know what he did, don't you? When he was in the base, he downloaded Porker's information about how to make hands. (laughs) We're still sticking to the idea that those are robot hands Porker has welded over his trotters, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, this is the dream team at the height of their powers, and yet it's not because we know it would still somehow get better. It's going to get so much better, (sighs) guys. Wait and see. Still, somehow it feels like we're still only really just starting, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. Refuse Yeah, and now that you've said it, I'm really seeing the uh, the larger font. For we only have two Look reviews. At yeah, one review a page. We've got Radical Rex on the Mega Drive. And uh, You Made Me Mystery Mansion, which is something we've heard about several times in previous issues on the Mega CD. Very surprised to see it in the review zone. But yeah, huge font. Whoever lent on that font size button at the start of the comic hasn't taken their elbow off it since. It's like the Hollywood Hills in here. They barely get 10 words in. But I suppose that does mean they have to write less copy. Maybe that was just an idea they tried out this issue, but it doesn't look good. It looks very learned to read to me. To be honest. Yeah, you, you do you. I don't like it. It looks... I don't know. Well, Radical Rex doesn't sound very interesting. Jenny Fromer no. delivers a good review of it again, though, making the, yeah. the, you know, picking it apart properly. And Vincent Lowe doesn't do a bad job over on You Mammy Mystery Mansion here either. People who have not yet been, uh, well, no, Vincent Lowe has been inching towards that read off the options menu mentality, but not too bad with this one. Hang on a moment. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Look at this in Radical Rex. Mm hmm. Jenny writes, given that Radical Rex is only an 8-bit game, the graphics are nicely drawn. I was confused by that, because no, it definitely was a Mega Drive game. It says here, Mega Drive, Mega CD, and Master System and Game Gear. Is it like a conversion from an 8-bit game, maybe? Wouldn't surprise me. Or it could just be an... Remember, isn't it, that bits are not necessarily related to the number of megs that a cartridge is and i don't understand that (laughs) yeah have they been told it's an eight megabyte cartridge or something like that or is it just an eight bit game on a 16 no it's a bit i don't know it's numbers as soon as we start talking numbers this is yeah i don't know how how it works i don't know why bits just couldn't mean the same thing as megs (laughs) i mean (laughs) there's probably a very very good mathematical reason for that well no but that's the thing i mean we know so we know a bit is like an on or off, right? Eight bits to a byte, such and such number of bytes to a megabyte, such and such number of megabytes to a gigabyte, and so on. But when we say eight bit, we don't mean that. It's not even like a same system of measurement. It means yeah. something else. And it, I seem to remember it means scarcely anything. Like it just was wrong to begin with or something. So, don't know. 
I'm having a pastel. And while Dave loudly enjoys that pastel, I'll say that when we say 16-bit, we are referring to the processor, which on a Genesis can transfer data in pieces you, consisting of 16 binary numbers. A larger bit size means more options for things like colors and sound, though on the Genesis, sound was handled Thank by a drive. separate processor that was 8-bit. Radical Rex came on a 16-bit cartridge like all Genesis games, Mega and the ROM itself is one megabyte in size. I think Jenny might have just made a typo here. Going back to talk about the kids of today, they're very lucky to live in an era where this doesn't matter a balls. <laughs> you know, where video game consoles are not, their capacity is not easily summarized in one to two digits. Yeah, we're on 256-bit gaming now. Yeah, probably much more, right? <laughs> I'm no idea. Um, yum, battle. I don't know what bits are! Nope! You Maybe Mystery Mansion was called Mansion of Hidden Souls in America. Do you know that? I didn't know that. Huh. I'm not sure if that's a better title or not. It calls You May Me Mystery Mansion the latest hot and spooky title for the Mega CD. That's hot and spooky, yeah. I assume they mean it's a hot title and it's spooky, but it does kind of make it sound like it's a ghost porn. It does, doesn't it? I hope it is. I've not, I haven't played it all the way through. <laughs> Devastating to learn that there are no mazes in Radical Rex. It's an odd way of phrasing it, but it does seem to be a common consensus on the <laughs> game is that it's a very easy, straightforward, uninteresting game with frustratingly difficult bosses. Yes. Where was the bit I was looking at? Oh, here we go. Yeah, the levels progress pretty much as you would expect, with no puzzles or mazes to heat the action up. Mm. Shame. It's Real a shame. pity because the skateboard and hipster Rex, hipster when it meant something different, yeah. uh, would make a fine hero if only the gameplay matched the standard of, say, Sonic. It's like you're oh, always comparing it to Sonic. Bedrock. Twitch, twitch. ETERNAL CHAMPIONS Larson's Revenge, Part 1 Written by Michael Cook Art by John Howard Letters by Tom Frame Following their last victory, the Eternal Champions have been returned to their home times to await the time they are needed again. Back in 1920s Chicago, Larson Tyler lays low so as not to tip off his old boss, Mr. Tagliani, that he's back in town until he receives an anonymous letter and a wad of cash instructing him to steal incriminating paperwork from a new crime boss named White Orchid. Larson breaks into Orchid's headquarters and fights through the guards, only to make the shocking discovery that White Orchid is actually his old eternal champion teammate, Shadow Yamato. Ooh! Ooh! I enjoyed this. Yeah, this was good, but it doesn't get off to the greatest of starts because they spell the title wrong and they credit the wrong letterer. What? Hang on. Eternal? No, no, Larson's Revenge. They spell Larson L-A-R-S-O-N instead of L-A-R... Is it S-E-N? C-E-N! Oh my god, that's egregiously wrong. And they credit Ellie DeVille with the letters when it is visibly Tom Frame. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, dear. Right. But this is good, though, because great to see John Howard again, first of all. Great to see John Howard again. Just nice to see his art again. And the way that we summarised it just then makes it sound as though, you know, you see them sent back in time through a portal. But no, it just opens on a full-on noir film. Yes, I mean, the whole thing is done in the noir style. Yeah. Obviously enough, this is a strip about Larson and Shadow, I think we said it last issue, because it was already known that they were going to be the stars of two Eternal Champions spin-off games that were in the works. Now, those games hadn't come out yet. Larson's was called Chicago Syndicate, and it was released on the Game Gear the year after this. 
on Shadows was called Experts, X hyphen Perts, Experts for the Mega Drive, and it came out in 96. But it's so obvious that these two characters were the ones chosen for this strip because of that. So they choose to make it be a Larson-centric strip, and yeah, they launch in with a full noir narration. He's feet propped up on the table in his office as he pours himself a stiff drink from a bottle. It was one of those sticky Chicago afternoons when a guy could melt if he stayed indoors. And here I was, holed up in a flea-bitten apartment, scared to show my face in the daylight. My head aches. Weird tense shift there to present tense, but never mind. (laughs) I'm nursing bruises, and I'm slowly going crazy staring at four blank walls. And that's still better than a guy like me supposed to feel. A guy who's already died once. (laughs) (laughs) I actually threw up some (laughs) of my lunch. No, I actually (laughs) put on some noir slow jazz while I read this comic. Yeah, because the whole comic is told with Larson's narration. And uh, it means it's able to cover a huge amount of ground. You know, it recounts his whole origin story in flashback, uh-huh. the champions and their fight and their how they've been returned to their time. Things unfold in real time but are accompanied by the narration. Like he gets a knock at the door and then finds this letter and money. And then we immediately cut from that to him breaking into the White Orchid headquarters as the narration tells us what the contents of the letter yeah. were. You know, it's the old movie trick of, right, here's the plan. And then the, the character's carry out the actions while the person narrates over the top. You two go in the front. You come in the back. And it's got all the John Howard tricks that we're used to now, like you Mm. have the really moody stuff. There is a good shot there of him, all coloured in blue, looked at through a window with the lights off inside and the shadow of the panes falling across him. But also you've got when you get flashbacks to the things he did that led to his death, they're in that sort of sketchy coloured ink style. Yeah, the monochrome look with the jaggy panel borders for explosions and impacts. Yeah, yeah. But it also, even though they're monochrome, it's a different colour picked for each panel, depending on what yeah, yeah. The, the tone of it is. So he's here with his tricks. He doesn't get to do quite as many tricks as he did on Shinobi. He can't do all of those sort of panel borders and sort of kung fu stuff. Well, you know, an Asian character does come in on the last page, <laughs> so who knows how much he'll exploit that angle next time round. <laughs> yes, but this time it's just creative use of panel shapes and layouts. and it's just, it's, This guy's good at drawing comics. Yep. You tend to forget Larson is two things. Like, you know he's a P.I. Yes. But he's also a cat burglar? Yes! It's it's weird, it's two things in one. So he's got a grappling hook and spiky shoes and think claws for climbing walls and stuff. Yeah, and just as I was getting used to that, you know, you've been introduced to him as this, what does appear at first to be a standard hard-boiled detective mm. type. And then he says, like, oh, I, by the way, I'm doing cat burgling and I've got a grappling hook. Grappling hooks, that's one of the big lies yeah. we allow ourselves to believe in, isn't it? Grappling hooks, that if you threw a thing up there, it would catch on it something strong ching. enough to take your weight, instead of yep. just immediately pulling back down again. Hitting you in the head. <laughs> Yeah, and then suddenly, you know, as I'm getting used to that, oh, okay, yeah, he's a cat burglar. He's got a double life. He's got this secret. Suddenly, he brings out can't beat praying mantis kung fu with arithmetic. All right? Oh yeah, kung fu. Everybody in Eternal Champions had their own fighting style, so he had to have some kind of fighting style. And praying mantis kung fu was his. Yeah. Careful, big guy came down here. Hey, who needs careful? There's one of him and two of us. Can't beat praying mantis style kung fu with arithmetic. (laughs) (laughs) But the way that this does that, the way that it... So this comic opens on this noirish character, and the whole thing is a pastiche of that kind of film. 
and then you're introduced to another eternal champion at the end. It really just shows you how many different ways there are to approach mm. eternal champions as a storytelling chunk of it's a gift. You yeah. really each character can be done in a completely different way. And if it had been a longer series, perhaps we'd have had an intro like this for every character. Because there wouldn't be another Eternal Champion strip after no. this one. This is the second and last. It's a shame. But yeah, when you see how they could exploit it. I mean, I'm not sure what kind of story you tell with Slash. Well, no, I do. No, you tell a silent story with Slash, don't you? That's your trick. You don't use language. Is Slash the caveman The one? caveman, yeah. I mean, there he can make grunts and things, but yeah, but you tell a silent story because you've no need for language. You know, you can tell a kung fu type ninja story with Shadow, although maybe they're going to throw in some elements of that later. You do a horror story with Midnight the vampire and all of these are things that there is an established cinematic language for mm. you know i'm struggling to think of one that there's nothing to pick from to do a pastiche of essentially except maybe the aquatic fish guy one yeah well you do some kind of big eh, epic uh old golden age of hollywood type thing yeah ancient civilization Titans, stuff ancient yeah. civilization type stuff i'm not sure what you do with jetta the acrobat revolutionary well there is a big old film about circus performers. You could do a pastiche of that. What's it called? Like The Greatest Show on Earth or something <laughs> like that. It is like an old Golden Age of Hollywood type thing. It's one, It's a roadshow style long film about acrobats. Yeah, I said Golden Age of Hollywood. Obviously, I don't think Clash of the Titans is Golden Age of oh. Hollywood. But uh, you know what I meant. <laughs> I do, yeah, I don't know what's the official Golden... Same as with comics. You think, ah, oh, the Golden Age of comics. And then it turns out you're thinking of Silver Age. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. But yeah, there are, there are films for more or less all of these things. And you could have... It deserves an ongoing going series with yeah, one yeah. issue per character giving us their story leading up to the big bumper 48 page special that's them I all together got, yeah that would be good wouldn't it like yeah, a wouldn't series it? culminating in an event crossover yeah they got lucky with larson though i mean obviously they didn't specifically choose larson because it allowed them to do that i don't imagine they went down the list of champions and said yeah. oh yeah we they obviously did it because they knew there was a game coming. It's going to but game, yeah. that was a real gift because it's yeah. one of the sort of most instantly recognisable of the group that you could tell yeah. that type of specific genre type of story with. You know, but I don't have much else to say about this one besides that. It's Larson sneaks and breaks and then and we find out it's Shadow at the end of it. And we'll see where the story goes after that. Yeah, and I can't remember, so I'm looking. No, to I don't out. actually remember either. <laughs> well, that's our first press TCTP. So we'll find out next. The Lady at the Lake. News Zone. Not too much in the News Zone. Though, well, so the first piece is on Earthworm Jim. Mm. And it takes a weird slant, don't you think? Mm. The headline, Jim challenges Arnie. Earthworm Jim, <laughs> the toughest worm ever. Jim was just an ordinary worm until he discovered the suit and became Earthworm Jim. Now able to run, jump, shoot a gun and pump iron better than Schwarzenegger, Jim is out to vanquish all the evil in the universe. Even Arnie hasn't tried that yet. And that's random. Why I know why. I know why this has happened. Well, it's because we're now used to Earthworm Jim and we forget that worms are supposed to be <laughs> just a worm. Whereas this is one with a big muscle suit on. So they're going like, oh, muscle body. That's Arnie. Let's talk about Arnie. I, I get it. I guess. But it still seems a little weird to, to, to center so much of the article on the idea. Yeah, I never thought of Earthworm Jim. Maybe I'm wrong to think this, but I never thought of Earthworm Jim as like... He's one of them. He's like an action movie no, yeah. guy. I thought. I guess I thought the joke was just that he's a superhero now and mm. resembles he's, a human yeah, figure. Yeah, he's a superhero. He's not yeah. a, a big, beefy 
bodybuilder yeah, type action movie hero. But then, looking at this screenshot, he is. He's got big beef on him. Oh, well, yeah, but I mean, that's just a superhero body as yeah. much as it is an Arnie body, you know? Yeah. Oh, Earthworm Jim. I enjoyed the cartoon, yeah. and then the bloke who invented him turned out to be a terrible piece of shit. Yeah, but it's an Arthur Matthews situation because we've still got Dave Perry. Is he all right? You know, I don't know. I hope so. Hmm. I hope so too, because I'm not chucking out my copy of Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, they don't mention Doug Tenaple on here anywhere. They just no, they talk don't. About the team behind Earthworm Jim, Shiny Entertainment, is led by ace programmer Dave Perry, who, with a little help from the Disney animators, was responsible for the amazing graphics in Aladdin. Earthworm Jim appears next month from Virgin as a 24 bit, whatever that means, <laughs> Mega Drive cartridge. Yeah, you see, again, that 24 bit Mega Drive cartridge that that must mean megabyte right because it's not it's six, 24 because meg it's a 16 cartridge. bit console so how yeah there be more bits on the i don't know like yeah maybe one day we'll learn maybe maybe a boomer please don't write in because i don't want to read a boring i do d- direct boring message from somebody, somebody telling, telling me the meaning of numbers, me the numbers bleh. so write to me not to chris <laughs> <laughs> Next one, Virgin gets active. Four big releases coming from Virgin. The first one here is likely to please that letter writer from a few issues ago who was looking for a super simulation. Carolyn Austin from St. Leonard's in East Sussex writes, I have a variety of video games, including beat-em-ups and adventure types. However, while choosing a sports simulation game, I was surprised to discover that Sega haven't released a snooker game. Surely plenty of other people must be sharing the same thought. Mm. So if Sega are listening, do yourselves a favour and get cracking on a snooker simulation. Fast! I feel like they must have eventually made something Surely. with snooker. Surely, yeah, there's a lo- loads of what, snooker what games. didn't they, but... Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy White's whirlwind snooker. And when I finally did remember to Google snooker game Mega Drive... This is the only one that came up, so they could be right that this was the first snooker game for the Mega Drive. This was by the man, the legend, Archer McLean. (laughs) Archer McLean himself, yeah. And it was formerly an Amiga game. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I know, I know, yeah, I know. Probably didn't need to tell you, Dave, but uh, yeah. Nope. (laughs) Um, It looks quite... Good for a given value of good. It's snooker. <laughs> Silky smooth animation and great 3D graphics form an, an orderly, orderly queue, queue for this yeah. game. Oh. I mean, look, if a game about golf can sit on top of the charts for a flipping year, then why not a snooker game? Why not indeed? Or why not Dino Dinny Soccer for the Mega Drive? The next, uh, the next thing they have here. This is a conversion of Dino Dini's goal for the Amiga. Is it? Yes. Oh, uh, I had that. That's my football game. I used <laughs> to set up teams of Tiny Toons versus teams of, I don't know, some other cartoon you series. Put the names Red Dwarf, in, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, they would fight each other because I couldn't play the game. It was a football game. But I could appreciate a football game if I knew my Amiga was the one playing it playing and generating it. it all. So I would just sit <laughs> back and watch. I mean, it looks a lot like sensible soccer that game did. So, though Dino Dini in this case, that's the programmer, yeah, not the corporate sponsorman, not the no, Jimmy no, White. he's not, he not the, the Archer McLean, not Dino the Jimmy Dini. White of this. Exactly, um, they spelled his name wrong though. His surname's only supposed to have one N in it, not two. I thought we'd been calling him Dino Dini up till now, and now he is yeah. Dino Dini. Dino Dini. Mm. We've got uh, Dragon, the game based on the film, based on the life of Bruce Lee. We heard about that in the review zone last issue. Then, this is a weird one, because we've got Another World 1 and 2, The Second Beginning. Now, we've heard about the sequel to Another World before, and 
as I said back at the time we heard about it in the news and before and will repeat now, even though they're now talking about it coming out next month on the Mega CD, it didn't. It never happened. This one was invented by a writer. It never happened. We made up this one. It's an urban legend that never happened. Oh! No. Oh. It came out exclusively in North America. Didn't come out in Europe. Oh, I see. Another world was called Out of This World in America, and instead of The Second Beginning, they called this Heart of the Alien in America. Well, it's a good job they put the disclaimer then. Release dates were correct as of going to press, but check with your local shop before rushing out to buy these games. Mm. I wonder if they suspected. Have they heard anything? And then we've got Short Bursts. And it says here, Weird Happenings, written by Gary Penn. Now... Here's how I used to interact with the news pages of STC. I would half read it. Look at the pictures. Look at the pictures. Maybe, maybe. I would latch on to nothing in particular. Form no new opinions about what games I wanted. And this is a perfect example of why. Because technically, this section here is telling me that a game is coming out and it's giving me information about it and a screenshot of what it looks like. And yet, I learn nothing about what it is, how it plays, whether I should give it a place in my mind Mm. at all. There's not much here because of the big font. It says... Feeling clever and adventurous? Then Time Warner Interactive's strategy adventure Generations Lost should be right up your street. Well, strategy adventure is a bit of a... that's a bit vague, so carry on. Don't know yet. The story concerns a fictitious land in the grip of strange happenings. Wow, okay. So few video games do. Have we latched on yet? Which incorporate weird electrical currents, massive floods, hordes of disfigured creatures, and people floating due to gravitational changes. Which, you know, that could describe a lot of games. It's up to you, as Manobe, the chosen one, to find out why all of this is happening, and to save the day before the land is destroyed. There are six different zones to explore, and dozens of enemies to meet and defeat. The idea is to collect objects on your travels and use... (laughs) in quotes, special powers to unravel the mystery of what promises to be an atmospheric adventure with a difference. You must battle boss characters and evil enemies. That is any game. I read this. Yeah. And you reading it out there, I may as well not have read it because I didn't recognise a word of that as you read it back to me. That's how little (laughs) impact on my brain that made. And like one ear out the other, honestly. This is a game. It's a game. It is much like other games. There are many games like it, but this is it. Enter stage one and battle across a bridge, through a room and a stable. What this game is, is it's a... I think it's a platformer where you have certain moves. I can see why it was difficult to explain how it's different, but it carries itself a bit like an Another World. It isn't one. It is just Mm. a platformer, but it has a strong focus on sort of like visual effects. And, you know, the whole thing opens with a cutscene. It's that sort of game, which was, you know, normal on the computers, but not really on the consoles. And you're, you know, you're going around and you've got things like a kind of electro whip. That So you're a barbarian, but... You've obviously got futuristic stuff. That's where we are. And, you know, the local sort of shaman or something says, you're the tribal leader, find out what's going on. And what's going on has to do with space and the future. So that's that's the angle I find interesting. Yeah. But, no, as described here, there's... The reason I bring it up, I'm not really having a go... It's not that this game has obvious characteristics that they should have mentioned and didn't. It's that this is not news. There's No. no news here at all, except that a game exists. Like, what about it? What? Well, uh, what about the Game Gear is the header of the next section, and it's pretty much the same thing. It's almost sort of acknowledging that the Game Gear is very much on the way out. It's like, fear not, you've not been forgotten. 
and they just let us know that Road Rash 2 and PGA Tour Golf 2 are both coming. Road Rash 2 would not come out. It's fiction. We made up this one. Really? Twenty nine ninety nine. The cheek of still asking 30 quid for Game for Gear game games. Game Gear game in 1994. In 1994. Get stuffed. That's not appropriate. And one of them's PGA Tour Golf 2. <laughs> <laughs> Spin on. Spin on. Compo! Just a page of Compo! <laughs> the Ultimate Sonic 3 Guide? Free! Suppose it's not really a Compo, is it? It's just one of those no. ones where you uh, write your name down on the back of a postcard or a sealed down envelope. Yeah, and we didn't uh, read this out, I don't think, in the intro. They use the same phrase. If you thought STC's Sonic 3 solution in the Q Zone was detailed. <laughs> No, we, we didn't. didn't. I'm afraid not, sorry. <laughs> it was poor. Poor at best. <laughs> it, was, it was notable for its undetailedness. You remember back whenever we were talking about the Halfords bike compo and we wondered aloud, why are the questions so pathetically simple? <laughs> we didn't know the answer. We did get an answer, actually, from a boomer who uh, sent ah. us a tweet to let us know that it's essentially a legal thing to stop it just being a lottery. Uh, right, yeah. By having a question to answer, yeah. however pathetic and easy the question is it legally makes it a contest a test of knowledge or test of your wits so that it's not sense. just a lottery of course but this is just a lottery, just a lottery. So i don't know what the difference is or why that's okay yep published by titan books available all good bookshops 7.99 Four thousand screenshots in full color so this this sonic 3 play guide is what i wanted when i mm. sent off for that sonic 2 one it is a proper glossy the maps are all printed screenshots everywhere that's the sort of thing every zone act and bonus stage i kind of fancy getting this let's have a little look on the old ebay i can't be too highly in demand surely can't be can it um, I'm not finding it. Boo. I mean, I'm finding it, but it's the American version, which... Boo, it's got the wrong cover. Well, it's got the wrong cover. I don't even know if it's the same content inside. Yeah, you wouldn't, would you? No. Oh, well, another day. And it says underneath, all entries to arrive by the 7th of December at the latest, the first 50 names pulled from Tails' old trench coat. Update the spreadsheet, sound the yep. gong, fire the yep. Hunger Games cannon, Tails' old trench coat. <laughs> Mabel! What you want? It's another one of them things they pull the winner's names out of, like. That's nice, dear. Trench coats, because in the print edition, if we turn the page, we then find Tails in his trench coat. So that's. Yes. It feels as if they had the comic in front of them and just turned the page, but of course it wouldn't have been printed by them. <laughs> Each will receive a copy of the Sonic 3 Play Guide, free, gratis, and for nothing. Wish I'd entered that. <laughs> well, we often say, don't we? Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so this is one of those pages that split top and bottom. Top half is the combo, bottom half is an ad. Just another! Just another! For the second issue of Zig and Zag Zogazine, we saw the yes. ad for the first issue last month, or last fortnight, whenever it was. Issue 2, coming to your local newsagent from October 22nd, TV's most mega mega star Zig and Zag, now have their own monthly Zogazine. So don't miss it, missus! I don't know if we properly explained who they are they were interviewers who were puppets on the big breakfast which we've mentioned a number of times and they are meant to be aliens yes from the planet zog you'll have known them before i did chris i imagine yes they used to be uh, the puppet characters on irish children's television strand the den i took the bus down to past boris and Ossery, through the forest of glenmalore oh the forest of glenmalore oh, the down past the lakes of killarney past the old walls of Waterford Town! Oh, oh the, the old, old walls, walls of Waterford, Waterford Town. Town! Kiss the 
Barney Stone. Oh, it's the Barney, Barney Stone. All the way back up to the Cliffs of Moher. Oh, oh, the, the Cliffs, Cliffs of Moher. Hopped along the Giant's Causeway. Oh, the Giant's Causeway. Got back on the bus. Back on the bus. Went to the loo. Went to the loo. Had a packed lunch. Got off and done. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've mentioned the Giant's Causeway. You've mentioned the Blarney Stone, right? The Fiddlestone Glen Malloy. You forgot the local chipper down in Farban. Oh, if you're mentioning all the suites, Luke, you better mention, you know, Oh, everything. the chipper in for bad. Oh, the chipper in for And then they got big in Britain. You put one self-peeling banana into the... Self-peeling banana? What do you mean? A self-peeling banana? Shall I show you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> there you have it. Zag, it was funnier than you'll ever know. Okay. <laughs> The den was that what was on at five o'clock when I was having to put up with neighbours. Listen, it's really, <laughs> really, really difficult to understate the importance of the den. Uh-huh. Like there are two Irish TV channels. But back in the day, there are two. There's RTE One and there's Network Two, and the den was on Network Two. And yeah, it used to just be that it ran from whatever three to six. You know, the evening, the children's program strand. In the years after Zig and Zag left. The den was basically seven in the morning till six at night. Oh my god! Yeah, it was basically like two thirds of the channel's output. They had the preschool stuff in the morning, and then they made the switch round at noon and sort of ramped it up to the the older kids' stuff in the afternoon. So, yeah. so hang on. This was after Zig and Zag. Tell left. me those times again. But it was six, seven a.m. to three to six at night. Like all the way through lunch, the whole day. Uh huh. If you wanted the news, it was over on RTE One. <laughs> So what you're telling me is that one of the main normal terrestrial channels pivoted to be a children's television channel. Sort of. Wow! I mean, the the, the whole rest of the day wasn't, you know, that. It was all... Yeah. Look, RTE2 was a great network. It sounds like. Because obviously, like, deep down in the south, you couldn't get the Brit channels. So it showed a lot of the programmes that would be on the Brit channels as well. But it would show them first because... The organisation of it was such that, you know, if the Brit Channel showed them first, then it would impact on RTE's viewing figures. So you would see a lot of programmes there first. You know, the big American shows of the era. Yeah. But then, you know, late at night, and this is all in addition to original programming as well, but you get weird little things that wouldn't be airing anywhere on British television that you'd never heard of. Oh, wow. Oh, I bet there's some good... Someone somewhere has got a YouTube channel where they're putting their old VHS tapes of that stuff up. There's only a <laughs> few bits of Zig and Zag stuff off the den on YouTube, you know? Ugh. Ugh, disgusting. Tragic. Ah, uh, memories. Anyway, 8 out of 10 cat owners said that their cats preferred it to their usual moggy food. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the gimmick here is that they have smell-o-vision. They In have issue super scratch yeah. Oh, my God. A super smelly scratch and sniff card. Yeah. Now that I see that, the memory of trying to pronounce that. <laughs> I definitely had this issue. That is... It's- Pong-tastic. Wow, that's right in the old brain and heart. That is scratch and sniff. Use the unique zig and zag scratch and sniff card to experience the stench dimension. It really <laughs> pongs, Mrs. <laughs> the zig and zag comic was, it really had this proper anarchic some people threw it together feel to it. it oh yeah, I mean, fantastic. Like, if you only know zig and zag from the Big Breakfast, you can't understand how much that anarchic barely getting away with it thrown together behavior was intrinsic to the characters and their success on irish television ray i'm really sorry about science but we're gonna have to work with him for the rest of the year i know he's my brother and stuff but he has to be on because it's in the contract but do you not get on very well like you wouldn't do the den without him hardly um yes it would 
Would you? Yeah. All in your own ear. You'd probably do it without me as well. Probably would, because it'd probably look better, because I'd be able to fill the screen like this all the time, and there wouldn't be any room for anyone else, and I'd be able to talk all day and sing as well and tell brilliant jokes you that I do what? tell. Barbie's in their own desk now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. That was the first big funny in the show. <laughs> She'd just been on a return flight. <laughs> they were, they were just. No, oh, it's it, it, you. I can't explain it. You know, you, if you only know them from the Big Breakfast, where they were like yeah. interview style guys, but like mm. in five and ten minute segments, as opposed to where you get three hours of them where they tormented the guy that they worked with. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I got a sense of that was when basically I found out about Podge and Rog and started seeing clips of that on YouTube, mm. and it's like, oh, I see. Oh, these guys are very silly people. They have a lot of fun. <laughs> the sort of memory I think that to me always embodied that was if you've read any of the Zig and Zag books that they brought out, because they were available in the UK as much as they were in Ireland, there was a character called Ted that you might have seen in some of the books. And this was something that was part of the thing on the day. And Ted was the before Podge came along of Podge and Rog. He was like the baddie character, but he wasn't um, he had no agency. They just talked about the threat of Ted. He was sighted around the country. And as the years went by, they would have Ted watch and people would phone in reporting that they'd seen him around the country. Watch out for him. You know, no Ted zone. But it was just a stuffed panda and he never actually did anything. But on these occasions, he would get into the studio and Ted getting into the studio involved the cameraman, it was a small set, BBC broom cupboard style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bigger though. It would just involve the cameraman throwing a huge stuffed panda at the host, Ray Darcy, who then had to pretend to fight it and grapple with it and throw it round the studio. And he would fling it off when he would defeated it. And then you could see, he, and he would knacker himself doing it. And then the bastards would just throw it right back at him again. He would have to do it again. That's the kind of anarchic energy. Oh, telly's good sometimes. Sometimes, still not good so sometimes. much anymore. It feels that way. But then I thought that. Like in sort of, you know, circa 2000. And then Dick and Dom started, which was exactly that. So it can happen. But that was 20 years ago. <laughs> Even that was 20 years ago. Tales. Zone Runner and the Flock, part three. Written by Mark Isles with art by Roberto Corona. Bob Corona. And letters by Ella Tafel. Tails's every accidental lucky move only further convinces the flock that he's a brave, heroic zone runner as the group navigates the hazards of the chemical plant zone on their way to stop Nuts and Bolt unleashing a reservoir of Megamac on the surrounding zones. What's to say? I'm starting to I'm starting to feel it, Chris. Like Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, there's So we've got a group of people here. That are competently getting on with their lives. Tails' mm -hmm. involvement in the strip is not needed or relevant to them at all. Mm -hmm. Why are they explaining to him how they hack doors mm -hmm. only to do it for him? Like they don't, and then they take they they, they go here's our flying platform thing. I don't quite this. remember. I think the computer is it's plot work. It's set up uh -huh. for for a payoff in the fourth and okay. final part next issue. I think that, but but yeah, but it is. Is this part three? Yeah, I know, right? Nothing's what, happened yet. And what's happened, exactly. It's all been about introducing us to these characters that Mark Isles has invented that Tails is cruising along with as a passenger. Who are just similar looking to each other. They're yeah, just I, I mean, yes, that's it. Sab and the rest. 
the other ones. Yeah, and I mean, they're, they're not so, characters. So they unlock this door. Mm-hmm. Using this microcomputer that Tails wears around his neck. This is one of the gadgets that they've yeah. given him with Zone Runner gear. That and a trench coat. I don't mind that. I found it quite interesting that he's got what amounts to a little mobile phone that they mm. plug into a thing in the wall. with. It's meant to look like a Mega Drive controller plug, but... It looks like a charger for a phone. It does, yeah. And they plug that in, and that unlocks the door. Out comes, as it starts to, you know, open, out comes a little grenade. It turns out to be one of the ones that are thrown by those little spiker badniks that are like a few spikes on a badnik badnik. blade. Yeah, the little starfish ones in the chemical plant zone. Yeah, it's from the chemical plant zone. So Sonic and Tails have bopped these loads of times. This seems like the moment when you go, aha! I can do this. Tails knows how to get these. He's got the move that Sonic has taught him. Oh, Maybe the no. sheep don't know what to do. No, no, they, no see, they... you've made the mistaken assumption that Mark Isles would ever let Tails be competent. <laughs> this is the thing. The sheep just, Sab, just points a big gun at it, shoots it, yeah. out comes the little squirrel and goes, free, what heroes? And Tails does not need nope. to be there mm-hmm. at all. This the, Sab is just inexplicably pulling Tails along through yep. her life. Is it a she? Uh, yes, I think Sab is a she. Yeah. I don't know if they've actually identified the character by gender, but I th- I think yeah. Sab is a she. I, f- I feel like I, I always she thought would, so. They'd be identified as a she at some point. Yeah. Well, it's the eyelashes. That yeah, I mean yeah. She's got that eyes half closed look that often denotes look. See, we painted eyeshadow on, but they haven't done that, <laughs> and so do the other sheep have that as well. So I don't know, but yes, Sab strikes me as a she. But why? Do, so then they get to this platform, which is just mm. a like a, a disc. A floating disc that they all kind of get on and they're going to just like away on it. Yeah. And as they're talking to him, it just sort of inexplicably starts to tilt over. Well, so what happens is they all pile onto it and Tails, being useless as he is, oh, Tails, he just, he's just not fast enough and he just jumps off and oh, he misses it and he falls. Oh, and they think he's fallen to his death and they're mourning his loss and he pops up tails flying away you know what a tragic waste that brave zone runner and he pops up and goes what brave zone runner jesus and i think the idea is supposed to be that they're all so startled by his sudden appearance that they all jolt or reel back when he suddenly pops up in front of them and then that causes the floating platform they're on to start tipping over okay yeah okay all right okay and then when it tilts over they're all about to fall out because it's just this disc. And yeah. Tails is like, oh, no. oh!" And he's and he, to be fair on him, he's trying to write it physically, but he can't. I can't, I can't move it. What would Sonic do? And just accidentally we see that his fumbling about with the thing happens to his thumb just rests on a button that's yeah. reset stabilizers. And the platform just writes itself. And they're like, oh, you saved us. Did I? I didn't do anything. Oh, I'm, See, I don't even have to say anything in this one. Because finally, the distress has <laughs> migrated through the Skype to you. I can see. I can see why it is, or it would seem like it would be, a funny idea to have a sidekick character, a Penfold, yeah. look his way through yeah, yeah, yeah. a suddenly... Like, way above his station, hardcore world of increased stakes and machine guns and, yeah. like... Oh, there yes. are a million stories like that. There's nothing unusual about yeah. that at all. The thing is... Well, first of all, he did it once already, and he'll do it once again after this. But Teals isn't Penfold. That's the thing. Teals this, is a competent yeah. sidekick character. He's a little goofy. He's maybe not the brightest at the best of times. He's a little overeager. But he's not Penfold. Tails can hold his own. If we were much further back in the timeline and all we had to go by was like 
Well, I mean, as we over on the Patreon start working our way through the Martin mm. Adams stuff, I'll see what he's like in them. But certainly a prototype version of Tales before basically Nigel has fleshed him out a little basically. bit. Or And it's not like Nigel's done loads of work on Tales the character. But no, he's just, that's the thing. But I mean... He's just not condescending to him. Yeah, that's it. That Yeah, I mean, because... I mean, and look at him flying along there with his giant... Uh, coat drooping hanging in the wind like a child like three (laughs) children in a trench coat except only one child (laughs) anyway then they go over to the barrier where the um boy these captions are terrible also aren't they which one just there's so many captions uh tails accidentally presses a button on the side of the floater the floater writes itself it's like an old british commando or something wherever the narration just explains what happens in the panel yes and that's not a technique that i mind explicitly on its own it's just that we've now moved away from it in stc so that's not i feel like that goes with a certain art style so it was fine in say golden axe or shinobi yeah 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 but not this, no. No, because it's silly. It's cartoon anti Different types it's, of stories. Yeah, the stuff that we're supposed to be looking at is meant to evoke what it's doing because it's, it's cartoons. But also it's meant to be this weird combination of sort of Blade Runner and aliens. You know, we've got these people running around with big guns and big coats and they're sort of jumping and shooting and things. And, and then we get a bit of Shakespeare. Saab jumps off the thing, you know, dual-wielding guns and shouting, to the breach, my friends, and close the barrier up with dead robots, which is... What is it? I think Henry V once more into the breach, dear friends, once more, or close the wall up with our English dead. I didn't know the full quote. Cut that. I need to appear well read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris, I only know it from Return to the Forbidden Planet, where it's... Uh... <laughs> once more into the breach, dear friend, once more, or close the door up with your metal head. And here we see also, as they come down, that Nutsan's like, hench goons, in addition to these generic robots, are... An eye patch. Well, they're the two people who attack Tails and Sonic. They're the unknown assailants who attack Tails and Sonic in the first chapter that caused them to get split up. Oh, are they? Yeah. That explains Don't it. Don't worry. They... The rest of the story is not going to like explain who they are. Or really? Anything. No. Okay. No. The second is... Zone Runner story <laughs> is about this eye patch cheap. So this is just set up for Mark Isles to explore this little pocket of characters he's invented. I was really confused by this bit here because Mm. going to the sort of the panel before the last one where you have the to the breach, my friends, Saab jumps off with the guns, says that. Then we get an inset panel of Nutsan turning around and saying over his shoulder, I was expecting you to turn up here, Saab, but you're not going to stop me opening the barrier and releasing the Mega Mac. And then one of his little... You know, little heads on a mm. chain around his neck dealies go, Look, mighty Nuts and Bolt, it's the fox who broke into the control room. And then, suddenly, Nuts and... Because we don't see where... It, it's just a little inset circular panel of, mm. like, looking over his shoulder as he turns around to see. So we don't really know where he is. And well, then there, no, it's... No, in, the, in the first panel where we see the oh. droids cutting into the barrier, that's him. Oh, you're right! Oh, he's it's all... monochrome, but he's in there. And then that in the background or there. wolf lady. I mean, he calls the... Yeah. She's some kind of dog-type animal... But um, he calls her Tess. I remember her name is... Well, I remember both their names because they're both puns. Her name is oh. Tess Tube, and the iPad oh. sheep is named Saul Furick. Okay, so are they scientists? No, they just have Mark Isle's names. Are Cam See? and Bert cheesemongers? No! And 
I mean, Laurel and they're, Hardy they're, weren't Laurel and Hardy pastiches; no, they were just well, mermaids. There is that. I mean, it's the Chemical Plant Zone, so that's what he's doing. Okay, it's, okay, they're, that, they're that's chemical themed names for characters in the Chemical Plant Zone. That is what I require. I, I, does this mean that Sab is anything? I don't know. There's no. Sab. If there was a surname ever given, I don't remember it, and uh, no. that might explain it. But no, scientists, no. scientist boomers, is Sab? Is it two A's or one? Just one, just one. Sab. Just S A B. Not like the car, not Sab. Just Sab. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Sab, Sab. Yeah. What could that? But be? as I say, I remember that the second Zone Runner story is largely about Saul Furick and the story of how he fell out with the flock and in with Nutsan. So okay, because this was really weird. This is such obviously set up for that. Just having the character in the background. Isles already has the idea of the character in the back of his mind, and perhaps the next story plotted out already. So it's exactly as you said a few minutes ago and exactly as I've said before. This is just him using a tail strip as the thinnest of pretenses to do stories about these original characters. I just found it so confusing that we are shown that next to him, without really any fanfare or introduction, Mm -hmm. there's a sheep. And because they all look the same, the sheep all Mm -hmm. look the same as each other, apart from what clothes or eye patches they've got on. And this isn't the only one with an eye patch. I think there's like... Yeah, there's one in their team with... Oh, no, they're sort of green goggles or something that the one yeah. in the team no, he's, The eye patch is his distinguishing feature. That's okay, his, sure. That's his thing. <laughs> but he still just looks like one of the flock. So yeah. for that not to be remarked really upon. remarked upon... Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, then there's this slightly strangely designed... Because, I don't know, she just looks a bit smiley and friendly. Yeah. Long-nosed Doesn't she? dog character standing next to them that I also didn't realise we'd seen before, so I didn't know who that was. Well, they, yeah, they were only in monochrome sort of blobby figures off in the distance in uh, the first part, yeah. It just seemed like a strange place to introduce them and then leave it, but I guess yeah. we'll be introduced to them next issue, maybe. I don't think we even are, that's the oh. thing. We'll see how it goes. Next issue, Tails versus Nutzan Bolt, and if I remember even a little of that, that one at least is mostly about Tails versus, right. well, like it says, versus Nuts yes. and Bolt. Okay. Um, but up till now, yeah, I think you summed it up very nicely. So it's a long time to wait to get to the point where the story is about it, Tails. Sort of justifies itself on a number of different fronts, yeah. Mm. Now, that's a lot of whinging. It's not like reading the comic is any terrible slog. It's not. No, that's the thing. It's not an awful cringe. No. It's not like some of those other ba- worse Isles Tales stories. <laughs> Maybe it is simply the fact that because he's not focusing on Tales so much that yeah. I'm not so annoyed by it. Because, I mean, Sab is a fine character in her own right, you know? She's yeah. a hard-bitten underground revolutionary type, and um, if I remember even vaguely correctly, yeah, you know, they would build out the character with some of the Saul stuff in the second serial, which, mm-hmm. which the way we're currently going is probably the next but one serial after this ends. It's been the way yeah. with for a while now. We've had Tales... Tail goes off for one serial and then comes right back again afterwards. He's just clearing some wafer knuckles for a little bit. Where's Echo and Kid Chameleon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where's like... Shinobi? Where's Streets of Rage? Well, not Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage only just ended not that long ago. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, why isn't this a Sonic's world about these... If we've got to have this story about these sheep, who I don't find well, interesting, but if we've no, got to have it... 
At least when Lou Stringer would tell stories about short fuse and techno, there was no pretense. They were just Sonic's World stories where he introduced you to some original characters he created. And I never found that annoying or distasteful. But this annoys me because it's presented as a tail strip in which he is the second banana in what is notionally supposed to be his own story. Whereas if this was just a Sonic's World and they just called it The Flock, Mm -hmm. it'd be fine. If this was a film, I would know for sure that it had already existed and nearly been greenlit, and then at the last minute they got the Tails license and just had to put yeah. it in. <laughs> <laughs> just a just a half page of advert here because um, game top and bottom. Yeah, regular readers will know that we don't. Uh, once an advert's been covered once, we don't bother doing it again. In this case, there's a reservation coupon. Well, we, we've done that before. We don't need mm-hmm. to do that. The bottom half of the page is just an advert for Judge Dread magazine and uh, a new uh, one. Uh, um, Judge Dread magazine. Oh my much. god! I can't believe. Of course, it's magazine. What am I on about? <laughs> this, dear oh dear. Meet Mean Machine's son in Judge Dread magazine sixty four. This is the Judge Dread villain character, Mean Machine. Yeah, he's got a dial on his forehead, and the higher that dial goes, the meaner the Mean Machine gets. What a great concept that is. He's gonna go up to four on you, Dreddy. Yeah, but if he does, he's gonna go right in your face with his aggression, and you can just reach out and bloop, just pop it round to one. And be like, <laughs> oh, I'm terribly sorry, beg your pardon. I don't know what came over. Him. Well, he also has a huge metal cyborg arm, so you're not gonna get close enough to. His oh, dial he's gonna he's lift you out. Length. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well. Other than that, it was a perfectly good plan. <laughs> Free booklet, sexy pinups and fact files in our farm fatal supplement. Oh mm. yeah, a farm fatal is that like sexy sheep and horses and things? No farm. That's how you pronounce that word. <laughs> is it right? <laughs> farm fatal, farm fatal, or in French, femme fatale, femme fatale. Au revoir. With artwork by Bolland, Quitely, Ormston, and more. Oh, I don't Quitely. Know Ormston, but I, Frank Quitely and Brian Bolland, sure. I didn't. I genuinely didn't know that he started in 2008, but of course it makes sense. Of course. Who? It's a, he's a British artist of some renown. Well, this is what I Therefore. didn't know. You see. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know he was British, so had I known that, I would have made the guess. Yeah, there we go. That's what that is. Yeah. And now we've got the photo zone. It's not just Humes who want in on STC's photo zone. The talented boomers behind the Lego bricks will each receive an original classic STC badge. Originally seen oh. in issue two, they bring the badge oh. back. They can't give them away, can they? Mm-hmm. Apparently, because they've been trying and they've still <laughs> got loads left. How many of those things did they print? Did they make no estimate about how many issues were going out? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I know what it'll be. It'll be that you have to get them in a minimum order from the badge making company, and that order was way above how many the minimum of issues of a new comic is. Have they all? been offering them as prizes for the photo and graphic zone they offered them for a couple of things in recent issues yeah, I, I don't know what around, yeah. well never yeah. mind yeah this is a whole page of just lego that people have made that yeah. is all it is sonic lego people have done so as i said before in the inside front cover there's uh, anthony chapanelli's lego tails a slightly different build to the one seen on the inside front cover then he's got normal feet and a lego robotnik too where he has charmingly yeah. drawn the teeth and mustache on in marker yes because the eyes are one of those lego bricks that mm. just has two eyes stuck on it which yes. i now looking at this realize it was for this it was for people this to sort of thing build characters out of it never occurred to me to do that with Lego because I wouldn't have been satisfied at a big square-headed Tails or a big square-headed Robotnik, you know? Compare that then to Ishia and Vincent Evans's Sonic, who is just flat, you know? Yeah. The third dimension is hard to master. I prefer their Sonic, though, because 
it's funny looking. You know, he's got a big, <laughs> he's got a big cartoon face. He's got a big sort of diamond shaped body because they couldn't do round mm. with arms sort of dangling down from the left and right points. He's surrounded by a number of rings that they've made and stood up on end, which I find quite good. Oh, they look like monster munch, and I want to eat them. <laughs> they do actually, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is with Lego. You could be copying the sprites quite easily, but they haven't That's done that. True, yeah. Well, Edward Poley, down there in the bottom right, has gone for a slightly <laughs> more uh, three-dimensional Sonic. There are tiers to that body, you know. There's a third dimension oh, yeah. involved there, and it's not meant to be a sprite, but it's got a, quite a sprite-like look to it. Yes, it doesn't look much like Sonic. It looks more like sort of, you know, Humpty Dumpty he looks dressed a little, up as Sonic. Yeah, squished down. I really like yeah. Darren Wass's tail's head. Yeah. He's clearly been using reference material because he's got the two outsized eyes, like on the Adventures model. One big eye, one small. What it looks like, but isn't, is the little icon of Tails' face for his lives in Sonic 2. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or 3, one of them. But it isn't that. It's, it's the two sizes of eyes makes me think he's consulting the... The Adventures model. That's it. It's it's like that sort of concept, but combined with Adventures Tales as well. Yeah. I must say I do genuinely love James and Tom Barker's Robotnik here, the last picture on the page on the bottom left. It's great. Yeah, where they've... It's little wheels. It's like maybe yeah. bit, bits of a car or something. They've used it for his legs. Um, He's like a little trolley, isn't he, with yeah. a head on top? But they've made the head by taking white bricks, drawing eyes and a mouth on them, and then yep. sandwiching between them some thin brown bricks for the moustache going all the way across. It's great. I, mean, I love it. Looks, it. I in the photograph, it, it looks actually black, oh, doesn't it? It might be black. Yes, you're right, actually. May, well, maybe in the basic sets of Lego, you don't have brown. You just have sort of black and blue mm. and yellow and red to choose from, like they've done here. And then he's sort of coming through some... Sorry, everyone. I've got another pastel in. I'm joking. Tell. He's coming through a sort of turreted doorway that's got a tree sitting outside it just a pre-made lego tree and quite creatively they've taken two i don't know cubes or something oh no they're they're one tile yeah one stud blocks yeah but they've balanced them at an angle between the four little tops of these two towers so that they're at a jaunty angle that's quite interesting they're not actually connected on i don't know what it is about it that speaks to me so much but it looks Mm. like i don't know i just love it i don't know why (laughs) it it's so inventive it's kind of cack, but in a way yeah, that in a is really charming good. way. There's something stop motion CBBC project about it. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Oh, these are great. Love looking at these photo zones. We get a graphic zone again soon. I don't want to keep looking at photos forever. I want to see some pictures again. No, I don't know. I'm happy with the photos. They're all good. Yeah. And you know, with uh, with a Lego photo zone, uh, mm-hmm. it seems like it's very good chance to just mention the lego sonic mania project mm-hmm. we've mentioned it before it's uh, it's been all over the internet really yeah really made the rounds uh, that's by um, boomer viv toaster girl on twitter mm-hmm. and it's just been through the review process and it was a big lego review pro- they had like 26 separate projects that got the requisite uh is it 10,000 votes in it something like that yeah and of this only one has been announced as going through which is a globe boo (laughs) it's so boring but viv's sonic project has been listed as still under consideration it's the only one all the others are not happening this one has been listed as still under consideration which everybody seems to be taking as code for they want to do it but they just have to iron out the details get the lawyers mm, out dust off the lawyers get them stctp is rooting for that one to come to fruition you know what this means chris what does it mean dave it means Viv has passed the review zone, Act (laughs) 1. 
Well done, Viv. We are very happy for you. Very proud of you. Happier still when, when, if, but when, when it is confirmed <laughs> that it is really happening. Go give her your support on Twitter, folks. That's Toaster Girl on Twitter. With two R's. Well, if you think that the Sonic 3 walkthrough in the Q-Zone is detailed, then Mm. here's some more of it. I didn't even glance at this, Chris. Did you read any of it? Is there anything to look at here? I skimmed over it. Nothing seems worth mentioning here. No. You wonder where these names are coming from. He gives names to all the mini-bosses, but not to... Well, no, some of them. Like, the Act 1 boss on the Carnival Night Zone, the... uh, the machine with spiked platform and the idea is you have to dodge it and get it to hit itself. It calls it the self-destruct machine. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The self-destruct machine. I spelled it wrong. In there. <laughs> Who Killed Chuck? Part 4. Written and drawn by Nigel Kitching. Letters by Steve Potter. Igor helps Detective Case hunt Chuck through the castle's dungeons with his usual sadistic glee. The chase ends in a dead end, but before Case can shoot Chuck, a huge monster emerges out of the muck, terrifying the cop and sending him fleeing. Chuck unfortunately doesn't even notice the beast as it creeps up behind him. I said previously that that gag, which one of you killed the double glazing salesman, was one of my all-time favourite decap attack jokes. But I'd forgotten about this one on the first page of this one. As Igor is helping Detective Case hunt Chuck through the bowels of the castle, he's heading for the dungeons. Quick, this way. And then Igor turns to address the audience. <laughs> through the fourth one says, This is the most fun I've had since I censored him with a rusty censored and then hit him with the soggy end. Believe me, boomers, you don't want to know. Yuck, Megadroid. Yeah, the first time I remember finding out about censorship was the, um, you know, on the old telly, they presumably still do it now, but they would say, you know, coming up later this afternoon, there'd be a still image of the thing with like a strip down one side of the logo of the local station or whatever, central TV or whatever it was, and there would be a still image of the thing. And this time there was what I remember as a, like a row of statues or something, which now I think about it were presumably of topless women because there was this black bar. All I remember is inexplicably, whatever the picture was of, it said Ken Sword over it. And I remember asking my mum what Ken Sword means. <laughs> of course, she immediately would have told me what it meant. So that would have been a single day of my life when I thought it was pronounced Ken Sword. But still, <laughs> whenever I see censored, I go, well, it isn't pronounced Ken Sword. That's for certain. <laughs> Is that still a gag you see a lot? Because basically this turns out to have been a gag you saw a lot back then. The word censored in a strip pasted over something they're trying to censor loads of good drawings from nigel here we got a lot of good manic phases there's the bit where um <laughs> where chuck gets cornered against the wall because there's a, a note pasted on it that says this part of the castle closed for essential repairs sorry and uh, <laughs> any wild ticks he does and such igor- a big his eyes yeah. bulging his mouth bulging while case aims his gun at him and igor is like we've got him now this is a dead end you've known chuck all his life and you betrayed him without a second thought. So, I uh, just wondered if you'd ever considered a job in the police force. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not really a silly one, but I do love the kind of sort of Ben Grimm-esque face that Chuck's got in the first panel on that page. It's a side-on view, and he's got quite a serious face, yeah. you know, the, the sort of face that Nigel would normally draw on an Inspector case rather than on Chuck. It, it looks great. It's a really good drawing. Oh, Squinty. and who's... Who's that oh, chained yeah. up on the wall behind him? Chained up in the background. 
dandelion, dromedary, rats. I'll never guess that D. <laughs> Asterisk, this is a gag for fans of the first Decap Attack series. Everyone else, forget it, Megadroid. <laughs> the Blockbusters contestant there from the end of the original <laughs> Decap Attack. Gosh, 20 issues ago wow. at this point? With his teddy separately chained up on the wall next to him. <laughs> yeah. Or mascot in is, Blockbusters part. His name is Winston. <laughs> Chuck Beans Igor with head hurled. Okay, I love this. So this is mm. this is this is my second favourite gag in this issue where he is cornered against the wall, Case is there, he's got his gun aimed at him, he grabs head, and head goes, Chuck, what are you doing? He goes, Sorry, Head, it's the only way. And he yaks him as hard as he can. And it isn't until you turn the page that you discover that he isn't either throwing him at Case to knock him over or throwing him to his gun to really skillfully just bonk it out of the way so he shoots the ceiling. No, he's just throwing it at Igor because he's crossed with him. <laughs> Should have aimed at me. I've got the gun. Good point. <laughs> and that's a very good drawing because when he yeah. says that, he thrusts, he overarms, thrusts, thrusts the gun. The gun up his nose and his nostrils all spreading out to accommodate this gun and his eyeballs are all bulging behind it's, it's really funny all the drawings Nigel does are really funny I love this bit then when he, he squares up and he gets up on his tippy toes and he bends <laughs> all the way down and his arms are alright copper you got me you have the guts to take me on man the monster nope I'm just gonna shoot you <laughs> And as he shouts so that, many great lines. as he shouts that Skull is about he's like he's ricocheting Bounces, along yeah. boink, boink, he, boink. He, Boinks off the floor with a bip, and he boinks off Chuck's knee with a bop, and lands on top of his shoulders again. Back on his shoulders again. And oh, then great. Monster emerges from the slime pit behind Chuck in the dungeon. <laughs> Chase screams and runs off, and Head's like, "There's something screwy going on." Yeah, because he's behind him, so Chuck thinks that he's Chuck scared of him. See it. Chuck, I think there might be another reason he ran. Get out of it! I was fearsome. <laughs> Next behind you <laughs> oh what a lot of silly fun it's good decap oh, tremendous stuff oh, isn't it yeah and we're already four parts deep oh. how many parts are there six six oh a treat two thirds of the way in already such a shame i can't believe we're four parts deep already though because it i guess they're just so because they're only four pages long yeah same as with tales you know you're like really i'm that many episodes in that's become more and more common for me as we've carried on with this podcast yeah. is that suddenly they're over already and it feels like we've only just started them yeah yeah i mean maybe that's just an artifact of 2020 <laughs> maybe or it could just be now that we're on a nice neat orderly schedule for recording this podcast that it just <laughs> gets away from you yeah speed loins speed loins speed loins just three letters in speed lines again this yeah, time. Yeah, because I couldn't fit another one in if the text has to be 18 point. Well, Megadroid does give a very large answer to this letter from uh, Sweeme Lo from Norwich. In your opinion, which system do you think is the best for quality and value for money? The Multi-Mega or the Saturn? I'd like to know whether there's going to be a Sonic 4. It never happened. And if so, will Ray or Mighty from the arcade game be in it? Asking the right questions there. Mm. Uh, at the moment, just the multi-mega is on sale. However, if you're thinking of buying Sega's hippest item, a combined Mega CD and Mega Drive in one, start adding to your piggy bank as the price is in excess of 300 God, they love to continuously point that out, don't they? They're all, it's almost like they're just, no, don't buy it, lads. It's wild here. Don't, don't. I know you want to, but it's wild here. Just buy a Mega Drive. It's almost like what it's saying. Do you think Richard Burton's kid's been asking for one for Christmas? He's like, <laughs> flipping, eh? <laughs> 
As for the Saturn, this will be the next, sorry, as for Saturn, not the Saturn, this will be the next step up in video game technology. It aims to provide advanced quality of graphics and gameplay to equal that of the arcade games. Rumored for release sometime in 1995, you can bet it will burn an even bigger hole in your pocket. As for Sonic 4, give Sega a chance. Sonic and Knuckles has only just been released. That's true. We do have to give them a little while before they we release Sonic like 4. 20 years before they release that. Yeah, around right about then, and then they'll just, their trousers will fall down in the middle of it and they'll whip it completely. <laughs> We've got a couple of bits of fan art. we got Sonic the Trekkie from Danny McNeil in Chertsey, Surrey. Is that pronounced nice Chertsey? one, I thought. It is. That's a good one. This is someone who can draw. He's uh, yeah. got his colouring pencils out and he's dutifully scribbled. He's even shaded the eyes, all of it. The shading is the thing you notice, isn't it? Yeah. What he's done here is Sonic is wearing a, a Star Trek The Next Generation um, mm-hmm. purple top. I'm struggling to think whose top was purple in it, but that's what he's got anyway. <laughs> Deanna? Two things of note here is that Firstly, he's had to. He, well, he hasn't had to, but what he has done is he's acknowledged that Sonic's body is round, so he's had the coat kind of bulge out. Yeah. But of course, it, it just kind of looks like he's piled on the pounds. Really, it doesn't quite. <laughs> it does, yeah. Have this, um, by the way, for any Trekkies interested, I don't know which one this is, but it's the uh, it's the uniform that has a kind of a triangular zigzag from collar outwards and then down to the to the bottom there, and a black belt across it. <laughs> But also, Sonic in... This is clever. Yeah, this is great. In place of the triangular-shaped Star Trek insignia communicator badge, he's got the badge from issue... Is it one? No, it's the belt clip. It's the well. That's what I was thinking. It's the STC letters inside the triangle, yeah. like the belt clip. Yeah, which is a yellow triangle. So yeah, a very yeah. clever little that's matchup. Really there. good. Yeah. Well done, Danny McNeil. And then there's a, a picture of uh, Rax from Eternal Champions, a, a more ordinary child drawing of a character here. <laughs> Adam Robertson has provided that. We are invited to see the new Champs series this issue, even though Rax isn't in it. <laughs> yes, that's true. Richard Smith wants to know why on earth Megadroid uses the word hume instead of human. Megadroid's response is, because I prefer to shorten my word. <laughs> and finally sight for sore eyes from jessica tong i'm a little puzzled by this one of epsom sorry oh yeah why is that well uh, jessica says i think the new look dr robotnik is absolutely stunningly exterminative to the eyes uh-huh. i advise everybody who's reading this to do themselves a favor and not take a second look does she think it's good or not i think what's happened here is that she started out going i quite like the new version of robotnik and wanted to spice it up a bit and starts off with the absolutely, stunningly, exterminative yeah. to the eyes. Like, I like that yes, word, though. To be exterminative to the eyes? Yeah. that Well, it's because she, she's just trying to get an egg pun in. The, the absolutely stunningly is like, yeah, I get it. But the but, but sure, but okay. But then, even if you think that yeah. exterminative to the eyes is a good thing, which yeah. is good because it's Doctor Robotnik, she then says she advises everybody not to take a second look. Yeah, I think she's saying it's horrible. Yeah, but does that? It's yeah, it's ambiguous. Is she saying that she doesn't like the new one, or that she yeah. likes how horrible it is? I don't. I can't Difficult tell. Megadroid tell. says there's no harm in looking. Write in, Jessica. <laughs> STCT podcast at gmail.com. I don't know. Yeah, let us know. Let us know what you thought about the Adventures Robotnik design. 
Uh, that's it for all the letters on Speedlines. Uh, you're the one who checks it, not me. Is there anything in our mailbag? Yeah, stacks. Here's one from a Grisket Baby. They don't give their address, so unfortunately we can't send the Water Fun game. And they say, Hi, SDCTP. Long-time artist here. Oh, dear. Bad start. <laughs> They're not getting a Sonic Water Fun game so far. Having grown up with the Sonic games and Archie comics, STC was one of those things you only heard about in hushed whispers on Sonic forums and fan sites. Yeah, and that's thanks to me. The first time I was <laughs> The first time I was even made aware of the series was when the Archie comics made a few homages to it around 2003. Mm. Oh, wow. First featuring an evil supersonic in a one-off strip, then introducing Dr. Zachary lookalike Dr. Finitivus. Oh, I think Ken Panders would take tremendous issue with you accusing <laughs> Dr. Finitivus of being a Dr. Zachary lookalike. I mean, he'd probably take issue with you saying it was even a Knuckles lookalike. <laughs> I was always fascinated by STC, just based on the small tidbits I read about online. It seemed so wildly different from the comics I was used to. Robotnik used to be nice. Supersonic is evil. Tails comes from a medieval fantasy world. <laughs> well, that was weird, to be fair. It all sounded so bonkers <laughs> that I had to know more about it. In retrospect, of course, the Archie series got just as weird, if not weirder at times, but if that's you. what you've grown up on, you don't really bat an eye at it. While I always wanted to give STC a full read, I never got round to it until I found out about a little podcast called STCTP. Oh, and after hearing yeah. about your endeavour to chronicle each and every issue of the comic, I decided to finally read through the entire series, and I've really enjoyed it. Yes. While I don't think it'll ever replace the Archie comics in my heart, brackets the Flynn era, that is, the <laughs> early Archie stuff has aged like a fine milk. I truly had a blast. <laughs> I truly had a blast reading through it all. Captain Plunder's stories were a particular highlight. I actually commissioned a drawing of Plunder from Archie slash IDW Sonic artist Matt Holmes at last January's Magfest attached below Neat. thanks for giving me the inspiration to finally read through this series i'll be sure to keep listening in and perhaps i'll be able to convince my artist friends to give stc a shot oh we live in hope don't we tremendous i'm now showing to chris the picture in question there it is it's rather nice oh look at that yeah it's got the blunder yeah that's a good drawing of him he's in a little frame and everything lovely love it oh that's great i love stories like that i, I as i said i egotistically egotistically i do think this podcast for whatever small audience it is reaching is mm. in its own little way helping to change the conversation around sonic the comic yeah. online finally about bit. time yeah. too i know it, it, and it took a literal fortnightly fine-toothed comb over everyone to do it <laughs> but uh, you know we know new people are finding the comic as a result of, yep. it, of this podcast and we know people who have maybe spent a long time aware of it but never getting into it have dipped a little further into it as well and every time i get a message like that i just we're sort of we're being the best podcast we can be if we can accomplish that and convince anybody to check the comic out exactly and uh i love to hear it but thank you very much grisket and here's an audio message from ewan o'leary from canada mega drive game gear and dreamcast owner and he says dear sdctp I've been listening to every episode of your wonderful podcast because I love Sonic. I hope that makes me a certified boomer and, and not an archist. I can't say I'm sure what an archist is, but by the sounds of it, I, I don't want to be one. <laughs> as it happens, I've been trying to read along as I listen, but it's it's been a bit confusing. For instance, your last episode was on issue 31. Now, I've, I've got issue 31 right here in my hand, and He's gonna... it's nothing like what you were describing. <laughs> you were saying something about a 
Teenage Mutant Monster League, but the comic clearly has Sonic on the cover. He's he's running along. There's there's a train behind him that Robotnik is driving, and there's like a purpley mech on top of the train. Uh, it says there's a Knuckles solo story inside. <laughs> Ooh, that, that's interesting. Furthermore, I don't know who these Nigel Kitchings and Richard Elsons he keep going on about are. Uh, when I flip to the second page here, it says that the script and pencils were done by somebody named Ken Penders. Yeah. Whoever that is. <laughs> I mean, really, you ought to be giving this Ken Penders person more credit, seeing as he wrote all these great comics. Anyway, I hope there aren't any hard feelings from all this confusion. I grew up loving the Julia White Sonic cartoons, getting reprimanded by my dad for saying, I'm waiting! And while the Sonic stories I've heard you two recount are strange and confusing, I'm still along for the ride. I mean, we're all Sonic fans, right? Even if it is in slightly different, different ways. ways. <laughs> Signed, Ewan O'Leary. Not a Sonic Water Fun Game winner, has long since forgotten what a Sonic Water Fun Game is, and it sounds like a string of search terms I'd best not Google. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm so sorry for the confusion there, Ewan. Um, boo, boo, <laughs> boo, boo, this man. <laughs> If you'd like to send us emails or vocal recordings, you could do that at stctpodcast at gmail.com. And you can be like Ewan. That's uh, that's Ewan who's working on a very interesting Sonic project called Ogilvy right now with a few friends of the pod involved. And that is going to be worth looking out for when it's done. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Like a nightmarish version of Nickelodeon Slime, Sonic is drenched in chili. Yeah! Well, that brings us to the end of another issue of Sonic the Comic. Uh, next issue, it's... I couldn't believe it when I read this, Dave. Next issue, it's the haunting Halloween issue. Oh, wow. So it is. Yeah. That's that year. There we go. Yes, it's basically over now. Free spellbinding stickers. Third mega set for your collection. Classified. It's a Sonic secret, says this sticker. It's a big uh, vector art of Sonic's head as he winks with a big closed blue <laughs> Oh, blue. It's, well, it's not... Well, the eyelid isn't blue. It's that it's the whole brow of the eye has, has come yeah. all the way down it's to meet at the bottom. Up there grossly. is no eyelid. The whole face is closed. <laughs> Classified. It's a Sonic secret. Sonic and Knuckles, Robotnik goes bump in the night. <laughs> Plus, Tails, no broomstick zone. Do you because, get that? Cause I yeah, eventually. That. I did after a while. It's because he can fly, so he doesn't need to fly on a broomstick like at Halloween, see? But yeah, it's a bit ambiguous, isn't it? It's supposed to evoke the idea of the no smoking sign, you know, the red circle with a slash through it. Oh, no right. No broomstick zone. Is it just because broomsticks are scary bad? Or is it because he can fly on his own? I don't know. It's a bad joke, guys. Eternal Champions, <laughs> eerie excitement. And decap attack, the horror ahead. STC 38, no trick, just a treat. On sale Saturday, the 29th of October, 1.15. And we'll be seeing you around then, boomers, with the usual other episode and that if you're hurting for content though if you're like oh no oh no stcdp's finished what am i gonna do now i need to listen to more stcdp there is an option there is an option for you because finally we have uploaded exclusive patreon bonus content that you can go and see as well as listen to because there's the option of video or audio over at patreon.com forward slash stctp where we will be talking to you about the martin adams sonic novels and about my apocalyptic fanfic that i wrote <laughs> between the ages of 12 and 15 <laughs> 
yeah, there'll probably be a few things up there by the time you hear this, yeah. So yeah, that is patreon.com slash stctp. Thanks to everybody who is supporting, and we hope you enjoy. So that's where that is, but if you're looking for the next episode of this show, you'll find that at stctp.wigglehe.com or everywhere good podcasts are available. That's right, and if you just want to yell at us and be yelled at in turn, then you can go to (laughs) twitter.com forward slash sonicpodcast. And uh, also, we can yell back and forth separately. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And I am at Chris McFeely, and we're both on YouTube under those names too, and Dave's on Twitch as well, aren't you, Dave? Yes, I am. We're even wondering about doing some little streams together for SGCTP. Yeah. Let's see Let's what see if you think that would be fun. Yeah, and if you think this would be fun, our editor Sam has a podcast called Alexandra Quick and the Audiobook Project, and our opening theme, Synchronize, is available at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast and we will see you again next time. On Netflix, but then like, you know, obviously the Blu-ray is this other version. I don't flipping know. Who cares? Let's just get mm. let's just do the thing. Uh, Sam, here is the bit where we will actually do the podcast again. <laughs> when did Phil Hartman die? I was wrong when I said to Sam that we're actually going to do the podcast again.